much better i'm a, i'm a happy camper i'm here i'm i'm can't wait to see my doctor tomorrow they just might say you're healed i'm hoping that that's what happens so i'm want to get out of this shoe did i did i send you a picture of the shoe so you could share it with my, my I listeners think we did that. i gotta do that i gotta send a picture today of this <laughs> shoe that they've put me in for the last two weeks i hate this thing makes me for you who are boomers you'll know what i'm talking about Makes me walk like Festus, okay, from Gunsmoke. Well, because you don't have any flexibility in your ankle. Yeah, the only thing I don't do, now I don't do this to you, Zach, do I? Pull the microphone over there, Zach, and make Zach talk to us. He likes being part of the show. All right, so, have I ever called, called, called you Mr. Dillon? No. No, I have not. I haven't been coming down to Hall and go, Mr. Dillon, Mr. Dillon, have I? Okay, so I I haven't totally embraced Festus yet. Okay, I just letting you know. Does he even know what you're talking about? No, he has no clue. Yeah, he's 27. He doesn't have have a a clue. And it's it's Festus, it's not Uncle Festus, okay? I don't screw a light bulb in my mouth, okay? I just letting you you know who I'm talking about when I say Uncle Festus? Yeah. The Adams family. Remember? He used to put the light bulb in it and it would light up. Yeah. Okay. All right. So here, look, I want to read this story to you because CNBC, this is how they lie to you without you knowing that that they're lying like a a rug. All right. The massive 2020 Democratic field is altogether outraising President Donald Trump. But Trump has outraised every single candidate individually. CNBC reported that neither President George W. Bush nor President Barack Obama was outraised to such an extent during their re-election year. Okay, so I'm going to just stop right there. I'm going to stop right there. So what's different this year than it was in, you know, the years that uh, Obama ran and that Bush ran? Help me out here now, Zach. I want you to get in there. I want you to think a second. The uh, the president is not outraising all of the uh, Democrats if As you put group. their money together, all right? But Bush and Obama outraised the Democrats or the Republicans as groups. Now, what's the fallacy here? How many people were running in the Republican primary uh, against Gore or whoever it was that they they were running that year? How many people were running that year in 2000? It certainly was not a panel of (laughs) 32,000 like what they've got on the Democrat side It wasn't like 20 people, was it? Okay, and the people running against 
uh, Obama, but Huckabee and and McCain and who else? Hillary at the time too. Well, well Hillary. Yeah, that, that's yeah. right. Okay, so you think about it. Bottom line is this. Okay, if you look at it, apples to apples, not even close. Trump is kicking their butt. All of Trump's money is being directed in one direction. All those other folks, I mean, when you when you give up your presidential campaign, you get to keep the money. Well, you personally don't get to keep the money. Your campaign gets to keep the money. They're not going to give their money over to the new nominee. <laughs> okay, listen to this. Republicans did outraise Obama during the 2012 campaign. They did. CNBC forgot that, okay? Uh, but only slightly. Bush outraged Democrats in 2004. The president has blown past individual Democratic presidential campaigns and fundraising for his 2020 election bid, but the crowd at primary field together more than tripled his 2019 cash haul, according to CNBC analysts of Federal Election Commission filings and campaign statements. Bush and Obama, however, faced fewer serious contenders during their re-election bids. And though both were severely disliked by their opponents, there was not as much vitriol around them during re-election as there has been against Trump since the moment he became a candidate. At the time of his re-election, Bush was still benefiting from the moves he made after the September 11, 2001 terrorist attacks. People largely supported the war at that time. For Obama, he still carried the cultural popularity he had in 2008, even though the economy wasn't doing well. Also, Bush had maybe five serious contenders in 2004, while Obama had four, maybe five in 2012. That's a big difference than 20. All right, I'm just saying by contrast, Trump currently has four serious contenders with two billionaires buying their way towards a nomination, mm-hmm. two withdrawn candidates who had major media support initially, not to mention the largest total number of candidates vying to take on an incumbent president. Quote, the cash edge reflects a Democratic voter base energized and motivated since Trump's 2016 election. That's from the Center for Responsive Politics Director of Research, may I say, if it says Center for Responsive Politics, it's liberal, uh, Sarah Biner. She added that the pace of donations could reflect a dislike of Trump more than a fondness for any particular candidate, though Democratic contender and prolific fundraiser Senator Bernie Sanders has famously devoted following CNBC reported that. The cash may also be due to the influx of wealthy donors who love the attention they get for being anti-Trump like Hollywood megastars. But none of this may actually make a difference in 2020. Remember, Hillary Clinton far outraised Trump in 2016, and look where that got her. Individually, Trump has a huge advantage over every one of the candidates by themselves. Trump still had a fundraising advantage over any of his potential challengers entering 2020. His campaign said it raised $46 million in the fourth quarter, higher than Sanders' $34.5 million, the biggest haul in the Democratic field. And not all the money each candidate raises goes into a coffer against Trump after they withdraw. Keep that in mind. 
as much as that money has to be used to pay off campaign debts. Yep. The totals compiled by CNBC, however, are staggering. Trump had $143.8 million in total receipts versus $515 million for his Democratic challengers. Okay, well and good, but they, that money's not going to be there. It's going to disappear as they pay off their bills. Absolutely, you know, and they, they have a lot it. of bills. Yeah, that's 28% of his rivals' totals, what he's got. In individual contributions, the president's $76.3 million made up only 16% of the $471 million raised by the Democrats. What you have to understand is each one of them is running an individual campaign. They're not running a Democratic campaign. It's an individual campaign. And when push comes to shove, none of them is outraising the president. That's the point. That's the point. That's the whole That's point. That's because none of them have reached over, what is it, 17% of the polling or 18% of the yeah. polling? Well, yeah. They're just not really getting a majority out And there. the DNC is not pulling in money hand over fist, folks. They're up to their eyes in red ink. So. That's the case in the state and the national level is what I understand. Yeah, well, wouldn't surprise me, to be honest with you. Just to be honest, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just trying to say this is the way they try – Scare you. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, get scared. Get right. scared. Robbie's out there in Maumelle. Let's get Robbie on. Hey, Robbie, how are you? Welcome to the Dave Ellswick Show. I'm great, Dave. Hey, first let me say uh, congratulations on you guys getting rushed. Hey, that, you're, uh, you're for you. Can I tell you something? This is yeah. uh, just between you and me and the fence post because nobody's listening. You know, they say nobody listens to us, right. so nobody's listening right now. There's even bigger news coming next week. Great, great. Now, is that a Salem thing, or is this for you guys? No, this is just for us. This is just for us. We're the first Salem station to ever have Rush. Well, that that is a big achievement. It is a big achievement. uh, So, congratulations on that. And let me say, uh, as far as Hillary's concerned, what she raised, that doesn't take into account all the money she raised from people giving money to her her donations, the charities, the uh, the speeches she gave, the things they were. All of that was uh, basically uh, with, with, with the forethought of her becoming president. Can so you say quid pro so quo? <laughs> yes, exactly. So that that's not even traceable. So just because you're raising a bunch of money doesn't mean you're going to win. No, you better believe it. She's a, she's a perfect, she's a perfect uh, example of that. He's got it right. Just because you raise a bunch of money doesn't mean you're going to win. That's exactly right. I think it has something to do with persuading the voters that your platform and ideas are something they want to vote for. (laughs) Instead of sending them running, screaming in the other direction. And it's killing me how many people are trying to say that this whole impeachment thing is suddenly going to turn against the president. It's not going to turn against the president. You who think that's going to happen, you are in one of the biggest pipe dreams you've ever been in. So should they do witnesses or should they not? You know, here's my thought on that. And and it, it goes for a hill of beans because they're not talking to me. I haven't no, had they're a, not talking I'm to going us. to tell you what, McConnell <laughs> didn't call me and, and neither did Schumer, okay, and asked me what I thought. But I'll offer what I think. And it's this. If they need the Democrats are pushing for additional witnesses. Why? That's what the House was supposed to do. 
if they didn't do their due diligence, I don't see why the uh, the Senate is supposed to do their due diligence now. Period. I don't. I don't think it's the Senate's job to finish the job. Nope. However, I can sort of see both sides of this discussion. I'm kind of a two way decision on this. I see. I see the benefit of possibly bringing in, maybe. If, if they get their witnesses, we get our witnesses. Oh, yeah. I like the reciprocal witnesses that's idea. Ex- that's exactly okay. the way it would work. If the defense gets one, then yeah. uh, the uh, prosecutors would get one. Now, you know, obviously that forth. would add a lot more time to this whole process. I don't think the outcome would change a lot. It would give Trump a chance to put his side of the story out there a little bit, but it's going to come out anyway. I kind of like the idea of them being exonerated, him being totally exonerated after witnesses were heard. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, I kind of like the idea of the Senate saying, uh-uh, this isn't even legitimate enough for us to have, you know, the proceedings. We're, we're throwing it out right now on its face. Well, you know, I like Senator Graham. You know, he's he's really changed ever since the death of uh, McCain. He really, yeah, really. Tell me what I that's mean, all he about. really, really has. With that thought, here's his thought on witnesses. And then uh, after we get done. We'll go right into our break. Here is Senator Graham, cut number seven. If we call one witness, we're going to call all the witnesses. There's not going to be a process where the Democrats get their witnesses and the president gets shut out. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be consistent. I'm going to vote against calling the four witnesses requested by uh, Senator Schumer. They're all covered by executive privilege. They're part of the national security team of the president. They could have been called in the House. They chose not to. Apparently, they don't need them to make their case. Hunter Biden and Joe Biden and the whistleblower, we can look at those allegations of misconduct outside of impeachment. I want this trial to get over with as quick as possible. I want the people of the United States to pick the next president, not a court of impeachment. And I'd like to be spending my time working on prescription drugs and national security issues instead of this. All right, back with you, Dave Ellswick Show. Elizabeth is here. Say hi, Elizabeth. Hi. Zero in on her over there, Zach. Zero in on Elizabeth so everybody can see her. See, that's her right there. There she Trump. is. Yes. Yeah, there she is. Okay, just let you know. Anyway, it's good to have her here. Uh, coming up, uh, you know, Robert Steinbach will be here at about 4 o'clock. At 3 o'clock, we're going to talk to Jan Morgan. She is in Virginia right now, and I just was watching uh, Fox, and they were showing live shots in there. Man, there are a lot of people there. They said several hundred. I'm going to tell you right now. Several hundred? Several. Oh, I don't think several so. Thousand several thousand Several hundred right were in the pictures I saw at 6 a.m. Yeah. this morning. And they by the way, let me just say this. I, I forget which local station I was watching. I was at the March for Life. Let me tell you something. There was more than a few hundred people mm-hmm. there. Yep. Were, you, were you there yesterday, Zach, by any chance? When, when the crowd is from the stairs... And spread out almost to the in, both ends of the Capitol building, and goes down all the, the way down to you get to the sidewalk in the street. That's more than a few hundred. Typically, people. Typically, that's around eight hundred to a thousand people. Well, if they're sort there of was shoulder more to shoulder. than there is more than just a thousand people yeah. there. There was a lot, yeah, at least that many of people there. And Senator Cotton was there. I didn't go up and say hi to anybody. I was in the crowd, and it was a great time. And uh, uh, the speaker, Ryan uh, Baumgartner, I think was his name. 
Bon Berger. Bon Berger. Yes, that's right. He was on my show. We talked to him. Uh, he said he told he talked about a lot of things that he talked about in our interview, but uh, he was really a, a great speaker. I was too far away from being able to make a copy of the speech. Uh, if anybody has one that was able to get one, I'd be uh, I'd be I'd be very uh, interested in airing that speech for people to hear. And we did that last year with the young lady uh, that that spoke, but it was a great march. A lot of people were there. Thank you, Andy Mayberry, for leading the, the march and whatnot. I did not march. I Like I told you, I'm, I'm Festus right now, okay? I'm Festus. I, I just, I'm, I'm really working hard not to say Mr. Dillon. But the bottom line is, is that I got to walk with a stiff leg on my right leg where I've got, I'm wearing the shoe. And I'm going to take a picture of it today and I'll post it so you guys can see what it looks like. And you know, if I look like Boris Karloff, you'd think that I've got the first shoe on to play Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. You know, that's kind of what it is, except it's open toed, just so you'll know. All right. So uh, things are going off uh, there in the wonderful world of Virginia. Did we get that sheriff by any chance? We already got that there. I want you to hear what the people of Virginia are saying. This sheriff was asked about uh, these uh, laws that they are seriously contemplating for the state. And here's what this sheriff had to say. Or city or commonwealth still be. If the bills go through as proposed, they will not be enforced. They're unconstitutional. We swore to uphold the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of Virginia. That's what we'll do. Okay. Yeah. Now, there, there you go. Let, let's you. play that one more time. Listen to what the sheriff is saying. Or city or commonwealth still be. If the bills go through as proposed, they will not be enforced. They're unconstitutional. We swore to uphold the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of Virginia, and that's what we'll do. Yeah, yeah. All right. That, that, that wraps it up there. They will not be enforced by at least that sheriff, and I bet you there's a lot of other sheriffs feel the same way because they are what? un constitutional not even uh just unconstitutional with our federal constitution but with the state constitution of virginia flat in contrary to yes absolutely so uh gonna be uh, it's gonna be interesting how all of this plays out we'll find out from jan uh when uh, she joins us at a little after three o'clock we'll have her on for 15 or 20 minutes because she's uh, she's one of eight speakers tomorrow, I believe, and she was she's going to be one of those. But she's going to join us again tomorrow too. I sent her a note before she left, and I said, "You be careful," because I there's somebody who tried uh, to rev up the crowd to violence today. I heard, and the um, the folks shut him down. The, the crowd didn't go for Not it. Not the anti-gun people. The pro-gun people shut him down of uh, absolutely shut up close your pie hole i thought it was interesting i saw a lot of pictures early this morning of people starting to line up and get ready the area that you may have seen that's blocked off is you you can't have guns you're inside a fence and so on however all around that area what i saw this morning on twitter many many people saying uh oh, we don't have any intention of going over there in that area we're going to go everywhere else and, and yes here. we're carrying yeah. and yes we're carrying i think my favorite sign that is out there is the one of the ar15 that says come and get it 
I mean, seriously. Well, that's, how did they say it? Molon Labe? Yeah, they say, come and get it, and I'll, I'll, reach, I'll, reach, I'll return bullets to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll be happy to give you our bullets free of charge. <laughs> we will not start it, but we will finish yeah, it. Yeah, it may have to come to that. I hope it doesn't. I just, you know, I don't think there's going to be any violence uh, that's happening, uh, although I believe that the governor of Virginia was hoping for it. All you I think had he to, was almost trying to help. Yeah, you only had to listen. <laughs> Do we still have his statement about being under, uh, you know, uh, not martial law, but under a state of emergency? Do we still have that piece? If you could look, we got to get a break in right now. We'll look and see if we still got it. All you got to do is listen to the beginning of it and tell that he's looking for a problem. Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, The Answer with Elizabeth. Here's the news. All right, back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Did you find that piece of uh, audio okay we have the audio this is this is the governor uh northam of virginia last week i want you to hear why he called it a um, uh, called for a state of emergency please know that we have been preparing extensively to protect public safety at monday's rally but no one wants another incident like the one we saw in charlottesville in 2017 We will not allow that mayhem and violence to happen here. So we are taking the following actions to keep people safe in Capitol Square and in the city of Richmond. First, we have established a unified command between the state police, the Capitol Police, the Richmond Police Department, and our first responder teams. And I want to personally take this opportunity to thank all of them for keeping us safe. These agencies are working closely together to ensure seamless preparation and planning for this event. They have been briefing me and my team regularly, and I have full confidence in our public safety team. Second, we are asking non-essential personnel not to come to work on Monday. Monday is a holiday for state employees and many others, and that is good news. If you don't need to be in downtown Richmond on Monday, please consider staying home. And third, no weapons will be allowed on the Capitol grounds. This includes everything from sticks and bats to chains and projectiles. These rules are similar to longstanding rules in airplanes and courthouses. This list also includes firearms. It makes no sense to ban every other weapon but allow firearms when intelligence shows a threat of armed militia groups storming our capital. To enforce this, I am declaring a state of emergency in Richmond from Friday evening until Tuesday night. Everyone should understand this is based on real identified threats that have been made. This order includes a prohibition of weapons on Capitol grounds. The prohibition is temporary, and it will expire on Tuesday after the rally. And those who would bring violence into Virginia have left and returned to where they came from. I have made this decision in the interest of keeping the public safe as well as our law enforcement officers. Okay, so now you, you heard that serious... Discussion from last week, CNN. 
from early this morning had this to say about Governor Northrum's call for a state of emergency. What is happening there this morning? CNN's Sarah Seidner, she's standing by. She's been in the mix amongst the demonstrators all morning. Sarah, what have you been seeing and hearing today? Look, those threats which caused the governor to call for a state of emergency have simply not emerged. The police very clear in saying that they they have not had a single arrest uh, during this rally. And we've been standing here all morning since the very beginning. Uh, There are thousands, not tens of thousands of people here. I want to give you a view. Uh, We are standing right outside the area where you go in um, to the Capitol there. And what you'll see um, are just throngs of people lining not just this street, but all the streets around the Capitol. There are folks that are there to lobby their legislatures because this is actually lobby day where they are trying to tell them how upset they are with some of the gun restrictive laws that they are looking to pass. Uh, There are several that folks are upset with and people here want their voices heard, but there are people from all over the country here, not just Virginians. uh, To be sure, we talked, though, to someone who is from... That's good. There's no no, no, th- none of this stuff is materialized. All right, we're going to try to get those pictures to you. We can't can't okay. get that. It's on Twitter. I'm sorry. Oh, is that can't on download Twitter? the video. Okay, can you get a good picture? Can you get a good picture. Get a picture of that, uh, Zach, so that people can see that. Do, do you want her to move up closer to the camera? Go over to the camera with it and show show them. It is in. This is absolutely incredible. I know if you're listening, you can't see it. Okay, but if you're watching on Facebook. She just brought. She just took her 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 pad over there, so you can see it. It is incredible, and uh, Zach says he's getting a good picture now of it uh, for everybody to see. There there are tens of thousands of people in Richmond, Virginia, right now. It is unbelievable. Uh, yeah, that's right at the Capitol. I mean, you go down, you can suddenly see all of the people going down. From the capital, you know, blocks deep. Un- that's, Huge we numbers of people it. said we they weren't going to go up into that area. See, they yeah, they're not going up. Going to be disarmed in the capital area because they're going. They're taking. They're telling you, you can't bring any firearms. I wonder what Jan's. We'll talk to Jan. By the way, she is there. Uh, we will talk to her a little after three o'clock. Just She's going to call in live. I'm reminded of what you said last week about the event where there were 10,000 people circling the Capitol in a car. Yeah, that's in Nashville. Looks like there's enough there to kind of make a difference, yeah. I think. I well, think somebody's going to Here's notice. what happened uh, in, in Tennessee when they decided to try to impose a state income tax. Uh, there was a talk show host there that was on it all the time, and not with one of those big stations, small stations, kind of like where I'm at right now. But you can hear me. That's all that matters. You can hear me. And tens of thousands of people descended upon the Capitol and drove around it, honking their horns so that their governor could hear it. I remember. And and it was huge. And that's the kind of stuff that makes a difference. I mean, you know, we had this refugee thing. And we had 26 people show up in meeting. That does nothing. Zip is not a zilch. Mm-mm, doesn't. You got to show up in force, folks. If you're really concerned about things that are happening, it's got to be show up in force. 
you want to get stand my ground legislation, have about 4,000 of you show up on the Capitol steps and you will get stand your ground legislation. That will happen. People will, John Cooper will be scared to death to vote against you. And they'd have to walk all in between us to get in. Yep, that's exactly right. They'd have to walk amongst you. And that that's that's part of it. You know, they'd have to walk among the unwashed masses. It was deplorable. As, oh I always, as I always like to say, you know, it's just crazy. There's something else that is now raising its head. And I like this. And since it's Martin Luther King Day today, this is a great piece for me to play. You know, I've said this a lot. Many of the gun laws that we had in Arkansas and across the South and even in the North were because people, politicians didn't want black people to have guns. It's that simple. Didn't want black people to have guns. Didn't trust them. And uh, black gun rights activists there in Virginia uh, today had this to say, cut number three. The real reason I'm out here is I do not support in any way, shape, or form Governor Northam's and the Democrats' gun control. What I also don't support is the fact that every news piece you've seen on this this weekend, they've always brought up the issue of race, as though it's nothing but white rednecks and hillbillies out here who care for the Second Amendment, when actually... Black Americans, Asian Americans, Hispanic Americans, Americans in general care about the Second Amendment. I work at a gun store part-time, and I can't tell you the number of customers I see of all races, all colors, all creeds who care about the Second Amendment and who just want to peaceably live their lives, enjoy their rights, and the Second Amendment. So that's why I'm out here. And big media, mainstream media be damned. If you take a good look at me, you can see I'm a black American, and all I'm out here for is to enjoy my Second Amendment rights. That's why I'm here. Great. And what, tell us about what do you think about the cordoning off that's going on out here uh, of, of the uh, capital why, area? You know what? It's great. What we ought to do is everybody just walk up with master locks, put master locks on the gates, and lock that in. <laughs> that's what, no, to be quite honest, what I, <laughs> shut up. What I honestly think about it is, it's wrong. This is our capital. We pay for these grounds. This is not some place for the king to hold up in. This is our capital. This is our state. We have the right to petition for redress of our well, our government of our grievances, and our grievance today is their treatment of us and the Second Amendment. So the fact that he's got to hide behind fences like he's the king in Braveheart, I think is complete and utter garbage. Wow. Wow. I love to hear people like that. He knows what he's talking about. Yes, he he's does. got it right. And he knows that, you know, the whole thing of trying to portray this as the people that are showing up wanting guns are a bunch of racists. It's BS, man. It's pure BS. The Second Amendment protects black Americans, Asian Americans, Latino Americans. You name what kind of American you want to have. I think just Americans. It's for all Americans. Every person. No matter their color, their creed, their sex, or whatever. Bottom line, that's it protects every God-fearing American. It's not so we can go hunting. No, it's It's so that the government can't hunt us. That's the best way to put it. I like that. All right, we'll get a break in. We'll come back. 
Elizabeth and I got another segment here for this hour. We'll be back with more here on the Dave Ellswick Show. 101.1 FM, the answer, the home of Rush Limbaugh. All right, back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Hey, by the way, something I want to talk about. It was brought up to me by a friend. Won't say who, because he'd rather remain anonymous. But he said something that I want to say to you all who are vets. We all took the oath to protect the Constitution of the United States of America from all enemies, foreign and domestic. And I hate to say this in the way I'm going to say it, but it is the truth, and I'm going to speak it just like most vets will say it, and that is this. Our worst enemies right now are starting to appear from our own country, from inside our own country. And I'll be damned if I let them destroy the Constitution of the United States. I will stand and defend that document until my last breath. And uh, just because I'm not wearing fatigues anymore or I'm not wearing my blues anymore from the Air Force, that oath still stands for me that I took when I went into the military. That never goes away as far as I'm concerned for a veteran. It doesn't have an expiration on it. No, there is no expiration date. So I will continue, and I hope you, if you are a vet, feel the same way, you will continue to protect the Constitution of the United States from all enemies, foreign and domestic. All right? And I will. I mean, if push comes to shove, We'll, 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 we will defend against domestic uh, people as well. And if you think that I'm mentioning Pelosi, you're right. If you think that I'm mentioning Schumer, you're right. I am. I see them as enemies now of the Constitution of the United States. And if you don't believe that, all we need to do is spend, uh, when Robert comes on, let's talk about the Constitution And let's talk about what these people are trying to do. They are subverting it right now. They are turning it on its head. And we've got to put a stop to it. Absolutely. And so anyway, with that in mind, and, you know, for my friend that told me Semper Fi, brother, I got you. I understand what you're saying. And uh, if you're you're a, a vet, I hope that you feel the exact way that you took that oath and it did not go away after you left the military and hasn't for me just say that all right so elizabeth warren let me let me here's what i'm talking about i want you to listen to this this is this is a woman who wants to be the president of the united states okay she wants to be the president of the united states here's what she had to say about donald trump and his judges that he's nominated. And as you listen to what she has to say, just think of just the opposite from the president she would do if she were in the Oval Office. Here's what she had to say. Cut number four. I think what's at the heart of it is who you ask to be a judge, who you want on your list to be a judge. And I'll tell you what the answer's been for Donald Trump, because I've seen this, guys. Homophobic, that's in. Racist, that's in. Um, uh, sexist, oh yeah, most definitely. And anti-voter. 
That's been a big qualification. He has named one person after another who, and I don't mean we have kind of a, a sense that that's who those people are. I mean, look at their written records. Look at the activities they've already engaged in. Look at the fights they've been in and which side they were on. All right. So I want you to listen to that. When we, when we talked about this four years ago, it was a main deal. It's still a main deal, Supreme Court justice. What she's saying, everybody that she would put in would be just as homophobic, racist, sexist, and anti-voter, I guess, as Donald Trump, just on the opposite direction. Are you hearing what I'm saying here? I mean, that's exactly what she said. Her litmus test would be just the opposite, which is just as bad. And those, and I'm sure she sat down with every judge that he's nominated, read all of their their uh, opinions, and and has found out that they're all homophobic, racist, sexist, and anti-voter. How dare she? She's crazy. How dare she? Anti-voter. Did you, did you see what she said over the weekend? Which I don't, thing? <laughs> I don't. I don't know if America is ready for a president who lies to the the people. You think they're? Whoa, you, are I guess you, she are you think you're used to a candidate that lies to voters? Oh my! She, she's gosh. an expert on the lying thing. She should know what she's she talking is. about. She's okay? really good. I mean, we can yeah. go over her big lies. First one being, I'm a Native American, and the last one that because blew up, I got high cheekbones because my grandma told me. so. Yeah, that's my grandma told me. Yeah, I'm Native American, and you know what? What's his name? Rubio in Florida. He's got more Native American blood in him than uh, she does. True. I'm not lying. That's a true story. He's got more Native American blood than Elizabeth Warren. If you didn't know, his family came from Cuba. All right? I'm just <laughs> I'm just saying. Bottom line. I'm just unbelievable. Why? If you believe in her, I cannot even imagine why. I, you know, I was already done, but when I heard that she said one of the biggest problems facing our country is crimes against trans women, I thought, okay, I'm checking out now. Well, one of the biggest problems that we have, yeah, <laughs> with a, all that's going trans on, trans women being put, trans in prison. women being put in prison and with having men. problems with men. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I, <laughs> Let me just tear my hair out now. <laughs> are we going to hear from Warren later on that she's a trans woman? I'm just I'm just wondering, will she lie? <laughs> will she lie and say, well, you know, I'm partially trans woman. <laughs> I'm just well, you just kind of wonder if that's what she's going to do. I mean, think oh. about this this group. You got the guy who's leading that has oatmeal drooling out of the side of his mouth. OK, you got this woman who can't tell anything that's uh, that's close to the truth and you got one that spent his honeymoon in moscow who's a card-carrying member of the yeah, socialist he, party who, he's a communist yes he is come on now, he's i mean a the only good thing i can say about the democrats is it's sort of funny to watch them circle their wagons to keep him out Oh, yeah. Of the nomination. Yeah, they're trying. I mean, they're trying, they're trying they're, to they're, screw They're, they're him screwing again. him over again this year. They're and, doing and it right again. Right now, it's it's uh, Pelosi that's trying to That would to be do Bernie it. Sanders. Yeah, it's yeah. Bernie Sanders. They're, they're trying, to trying to block him out. They're, him they're circling well. the wagons. I really saying. think Pelosi, that's why she delayed once she got sucked into the impeachment thing. I really think she tried. 
to make it be bipartisan. A lot of people are talking about that now. She got sucked in, and now it's only a matter of keeping all those other candidates sitting in their seats in the Senate while Biden's free to run his campaign in Iowa. Yeah, when we say sitting in the the Senate, we'll talk about that in the next hour because there's some rules about this that— Under penalty of death. I don't know how many of them can handle it, to be honest with you. I want to see. I want to see the uh, the police, Capitol Police, drags a couple of senators <laughs> out of out of the the <laughs> well. Never going to happen. Oh, I would love to see it though. Oh, All you right. talk about outrage. All right, we'll take a break. <laughs> we got to get a break in. It's time to get to the news. We had five minutes of news for you here in just a moment. It's the Dave Ellswick Show, one hundred one point one FM. Uh, the answer. We're the home of Rush Limbaugh and the Dave Ellswick Show, and bigger news coming. Next week, TikTok. Oh, yeah, TikTok. That's true. TikTok. TikTok. There is TikTok. We'll be listening for sure next Monday. I'll tell you what it is when we return here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Jan Morgan is next. Again, I'm getting a lot of uh, feedback from folks about what I just said a moment ago. And, and and that's just from my heart, folks. I mean, I believe that if you're a vet, you're feeling the same way I am about a lot of this. And that is when you took the oath uh, to go into whatever branch of the service that you went into, when you raised your hand and said that you were, uh, you know, going to protect the Constitution— of the United States from all enemies, foreign or domestic, that that didn't just apply for however long you were in the military, that it meant even when you got out, like I've been out for 30-odd years, but still deep down in my gut, I can hear those words, and uh, I tremble. I tremble when I said them. Because I seriously, seriously meant them. I love my country. 
I love the Constitution of the United States of America. No other country has our kind of Constitution. I mean, look, the communists tried to do it, but they don't believe in it. The problem is, is now we've got, you know, uh, politicians in our own country that are acting like the communists during the Bolshevik Revolution or something. It's crazy. And you and I, who said we'd stand to protect it during that time, have to be willing to say again, I'll stand right now. Go to Oath Keepers. Uh, Oath Keepers. I think OathKeepers.com probably. And uh, you can sign up with them. Should become an, I'm an oath keeper. I hope that you're an oath keeper as well. I understand Jan's on the line with us. Let's go talk to Jan Morgan. She is in Virginia. Hi, Jan. Hey, Dave. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Hey, I saw your picture of the sheriffs. We played audio from one of the sheriffs there saying they would not, absolutely not, uh, enforce any laws that were unconstitutional dealing with the Second Amendment. That's right. Yes, he he. That was his that was his message to the governor, uh, the governor of the state, and the legislature. He's just like not in my county, so, right. and he said none of my law enforcement officers are going to you know are going to enforce unconstitutional laws. Good. So I was like, wow, we need a bunch of you in Arkansas too. <laughs> yeah, some guy said, hey, I'm still uh, a sheriff or something, and said I don't know of any sheriffs that are against the Second Amendment. And I said, man, you haven't been paying attention then. <laughs> no, it yeah. Our, our, big, our biggest issue in Arkansas on gun rights legislation has been the sheriff's association yes. and law enforcement. You know, chiefs of police. And it has Arkansas State Police uh, Commander, uh-huh. another person exactly. who's been against it all the time. So, tell me, kind of paint us a picture, Jan. What it's been like there? Is it hard to get food? <laughs> <laughs> I knew you'd be thinking about the food part. No, it, it really. It really hasn't. Uh, you know, Dave, this was this reminded me a lot of the Restoring Honor rally. Do you remember that? Yes. When, uh, yes, years ago. Okay. It was like that. The crowds, it was so packed in downtown Richmond today that you couldn't, when you were walking, you're shoulder to shoulder with someone. You know, there's no such thing as any space around you. That's how tightly packed the crowd was. Fantastic. But everybody was so polite. So nice. You know, you've heard an armed society is a polite society. Well, by gosh, it was so polite today. Uh, you know, it, it really was. And it was it was heartwarming to see people from all across America. I talked to people from California, you know, who came to, to stand with the people of Virginia to show their support. California, Michigan, uh, you know, you name it. They were here today. It was amazing. It was a sea of people standing on the steps of the state capitol. It was the most unusual visual as far as the eye could see it was just a sea of people well this is a time for them to go in and lobby too isn't it isn't that what this day is specifically right. and i don't know if you saw it but I, I also did a facebook live showing the legislators who came out and stood on the capitol steps with the people of virginia to say we're we're behind you in the second amendment it was a small group, but they were there, and it was a and they you know it was a, a neat thing to see. But yes, it was lobby day, but the Democrats didn't come today. They didn't want to see or hear from the people, so they did. They didn't come. They didn't show. Well, they stayed home, yeah. huh? They stayed home, yes, quaking stayed in their home. boots is what yeah, they did. Probably so. Probably so. So tomorrow, tomorrow is just going to be maybe even bigger than today, and you're going to be speaking, correct? 
No, today was the big day. Oh, was it? And okay. I was speaking. It was today. No, to, the rally is, is over. Um, but that's why we called it Lobby Day. But, okay. Uh, it was it was neat to be side by side, Dave, with some of the biggest Second Amendment warriors in American history. People like Dick Keller. I mean, yep. he was right there next. To, he spoke. Uh, Eric Pratt of Gun Owners of America. Yeah. You know the 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 remember the guy who actually saved the lives of people of Texans with uh, with his AR-15. Yes. The shooting at he was he was one of the speakers today. He was so much fun, and he they had, somebody had made a big picture of him holding an ar-15 barefoot because that's literally the way he was when he ran out you know with that ar no Mm -hmm. shoes on and uh so anyway he was there to talk about the ar-15 itself and and how it's you know so did everybody get excited that jan morgan was there you know you know what i did dave okay so the way they had us speaking on the steps of the capitol the it, it was on the side of this big hill, all right? Well, the press got up in front of the speaker's podium, and no one in the crowd could see the speakers. You could not see any speakers. All you saw were the backs of press people's heads. Okay. And I'm watching a speaker get up there to speak, and nobody in the crowd could see them. They could hear them, but they couldn't see them. And I'm looking at this big wall right there in front of the podium, and I thought, I'm going to jump up on that wall and give my speech, and the police are probably going to yank me down and, you know, whatever. So I didn't ask permission. And when it came time for me to speak, I jumped on top of that wall, and I looked at the crowd, and I said, I'm sorry, but I didn't come here to talk to the press. I came to talk to the people. And everybody was like, whoa. Fantastic. (laughs) Good good job. Yeah, it was. I I just kept thinking any minute somebody was going to yank me down, one of the police or somebody else. But I was the only speaker that that crowd saw today. Did you get somebody to record your speech so I can play it on my show? Yes. In fact, um, I had handed my cell phone to a guy down below because I said, look, I need you to video this. And I have a feeling they're going to yank me off the wall, but I want you to video it anyway. <laughs> so he did. But yeah, in fact, I'll be putting it up on my Facebook page a little later. Okay. I haven't even said so I'm going to actually put it up there. I just haven't had a chance to go through all the pictures and videos and stuff today because I'm exhausted. It's been a long trip, long day. Yes. And of course it is. So how is Pratt doing? Is he doing good? He's doing wonderful. He and I are also speakers in February in Alabama at the Bama Cherry organization. He and I were discussing how, you know, he's with Gun Owners of America, and I knew his dad. Today's the first time I've actually met Eric Pratt in person, but Larry Pratt was the he face was of starter. Gun of America. He was. And so when I met Eric today, I was, uh, I was, he was of course, he's a, an impressive man, but he's so much more refined and carefully Spoken. And I told him, I said, you know, your dad, he was, uh, you two are very different. He said, yeah, my dad was a bomb thrower. <laughs> yeah, he was great. <laughs> he was. He said he would throw stuff out there. And I said, yeah, he was. But, okay, here's, here's my big take on everything, though, today. Dave. Okay. I was talking to some people from Virginia. I interviewed some people last night, as a matter of fact. And one of the things I got from him was this. He said, you know, Jan, as, as bad as this is, as horrible as it's been for us here in Virginia this past couple of months, and as bad as it is right now, and, and even in spite of what we're about to have to go through on losing our rights, he said, this has been good for Virginia. And I said, how do you figure that? 
And he says, it has woken up the people. It has awakened the sleeping giant. He said, people got caught with their pants down. He said, that will never happen again. Now, here's he, here's what I think. That. Tell me if you think I'm wrong. This could be a start of a movement just as Santilli was for CNBC for the for the Tea Party. I I agree completely. In fact, one of the things I, I discussed with Eric Pratt was that very very issue. I said I think that this is going to sweep across America, and he said it already is. You know, just like we talked about the sanctuary, the two A sanctuary cities and counties that have overcome Virginia. I think about ninety six out of their hundred something counties are now gun sanctuary counties. We're already seeing that happen across America and other places. It's like don't Arkansas. You know, don't Virginia my Arkansas. Yeah. <laughs> that needs to be a bumper sticker. So we and, and there are some counties in Arkansas right now that are working on their own legislation, yes, they their are. own county ordinances to become Second Amendment sanctuaries. So, you know, I love that. That's good. Whatever it takes. But it was also exciting to see that many people. And I haven't seen the numbers yet. The, the estimates, I don't know if you have no. of how many people were actually there today. But it was a very disappointing day for the news media that was looking for all hell to break loose and for people to start shooting each other. And for these people, all these people carrying their AR-15s and their guns to have accidents and negligent discharges. None of that happened. None of that happened. You didn't so, see any Antifa? So it, blew a whole, it blew a whole Yeah, No, I didn't see any. I mean, they were like, who? Antifa who? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I say, the fact that there were so gun owners, you know, walking around with their ARs and their 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 firearms, it was like, you know, this is probably not a place for us to start crap. Yeah, I and would they, agree with that. <laughs> I guess what I'm curious about, I saw um, a lot of folks early, early this morning on Twitter saying, you know, we don't intend to go into the uh, roped off area where we're going to be unarmed. We're going to stay outside right. that area. What was the crowd like inside versus outside? Oh, it was a lot larger outside. It was, it was <laughs> full inside. It was full inside. They they allowed only so many people in, and they and they hit that limit very quickly. Yeah, I can tell you that I was ill at ease until I got up on the stage to speak. I mean, until I jumped up on the side of the wall, and at that point, you know, I just didn't care anymore. I just I, I came to to say my piece and I said it, but it was a it was it was not a good feeling being in what they referred to as the cage. I don't like to go anywhere unarmed ever, yeah. and I, I have vowed I would not do that. And I, I honestly can tell you that as late as last night, I was thinking, I, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to go in there because there, there were all kinds of wild stories out there. Oh, yeah. Even coming from people in law enforcement about what was going to happen and that they had, they had brought in a, a mass casualty team and a hazmat team. And, I mean, the things they were saying that might happen or had been rumored to happen and well, you almost a- fall in, fall into the hype, you know, and fear can overcome you on those things. You're like, golly, I really, don't, I'm not ready to die yet. There are things I want to do. <laughs> yeah. It was a fact that they had only one entrance into that area, though. Three exits, yes, it was only, choke point. That's right. You're exactly a little right. Spooky. But here's the thing: the, the, the night before this event, I spoke to uh, at a meeting of an alliance of militias. Uh, Dan Watson and I were speakers at their event and i went you know wondering what are they going to be talking about at their meeting are are they planning any kind of insurrection or anything and of course they were not no uh they were they were simply there to stand for the second amendment but they were also there one of you know a, a 
one particular militia had decided they were going to protect me. Their job was to make sure that, that I got into the event safely because you couldn't park anywhere near it. I mean, you had to park. They, they actually blocked off streets. I've never seen a situation like that before other than the uh, Republican National Convention and the inauguration, you know, where there were so many people in one place that blocked off streets all around the Capitol. So you couldn't park anywhere near it. You had to walk or you could park out at certain places and they would shuttle you in. Right. But they had a group of guys that were ready to extract me at any time, and they also told all of us, the speakers, the police did, they said, look, if, we, if you're speaking and we tap you on the shoulder, don't ask questions, that means we need, to, we need to get you out of here now. Just turn, put down the microphone, and come with us immediately. There won't be any time for explanations. I mean, how would you like to be told that at the last second before you go on? You, you commented uh, that it was like the Restoring America rally, and I believe it was Glenn Beck who said that was the day that they came to him and said, you need to wear this bulletproof yeah, vest. Was, and he said, man, DC, when yeah. you put that on and you realize what you're doing, it's a very sobering position to be in. I was there broadcasting was. I, that day. Right. I brought a bulletproof vest. I was there as well. I was there for Glenn Beck's rally. And I can yep. tell you that the feeling that I had that day was like the feeling I had today. It was just this this, this swelling of your heart of patriotism and, and love for this country and for the rights that we're born with here and getting a chance to participate in something of that magnitude and, and seeing that many people that care enough, that care enough to drive or to fly and to be out there today when it was, what, 17 degrees when I got up this morning. Ooh. Yes. All these people turn out and, you know, some people spent a lot of money to get here out of their own pockets. Uh, it was a sacrifice and it was a, a showing. And I think that the governor of Virginia and the legislature today they're not going to change anything as a result of what these people did today. But I think that the people of Virginia and the people of America sent a very strong message that they're not going to let this go and that they will be back. And you better enjoy your time in office because it's going to be short-lived. I got you. Jan, thanks so much for calling in. Uh, be Stay ca- safe. Be careful getting back, okay? Yes, sir. I'll be, I'll be back sometime tomorrow afternoon. All right. We'll see you then. Thanks okay. so much. Jan Morgan, that's live from Richmond, Virginia. And uh, we try to do that. We got another uh, American calling us. Matt Hurt's going to call us coming up at uh, 335. We'll get his uh, feelings about what happened today. But I'm telling you, this reminds me of Santilli when he was on the floor of the stock exchange on CNBC and just went off, just went off on uh, taxes and stuff. And uh, the Tea Party was born Now, I'm not saying that we need to start any new organizations. The organizations are out there now uh, supporting the Second Amendment. I think what you need to do is find them, like the 746 people here in Arkansas and whatever, and be part of this and then show up at the Capitol uh, when the legislature gets back together again and saying, we want to stand your ground, we want you to get off of this open carry stuff. If you're a law enforcement, leave us alone and believe what the Constitution of the United States says. So when we come back after the news, which is coming up in about three minutes, uh, we are going to, we being Elizabeth and I, are going to tell you what senators cannot do in the well of the Senate while the trial is going on. You'll be stunned. I, I don't think any of them be able to handle this. I, I don't think they can do it. Okay, here's a story. 
if you if you don't have this uh, app on your phone, you should get it. The Epoch Times, E P O C H Times dot com. It's a good conservative site. Uh, this is a story from uh, back in October when Jan and I and uh, Zach and Wayne and some others went to Dallas to see the uh, the president do his thing. Fabulous Trump rally. More than one in five people who registered for President Trump's Keep America Great campaign rally in Dallas back in October. They've been able to break down all the numbers now. We're Democrats. Hmm. Let me read that to you. One in five. And you know how many people there were there, Zach. You were stunned by how many people were there. Just walking around. Oh, yeah. yeah. When me and Jan were doing that. It was awesome. 56,000 people. And that's about what they, they said it was. So you take one of five, 56,000 people, 10,000 people were Democrats. That's incredible. Uh, Brad Pascali, whose forte is data analysis, has now posted his breakdowns of data collected from the registrations from the past several rallies. Incredible data from the Dallas rally. The data revealed that nearly 54,000 voters signed up for the event. That's not how many showed up. More showed up than signed in, all right? With almost one in eight, 12% who didn't vote in the last four elections. And more than one in five who identified as Democrats. 11% of the registrants were Hispanic. So much for... You know, Hispanics, Latinos, blacks, all the rest aren't supporting this president. Quote, these are winning numbers that will help win four more years for the real Donald Trump. We continue to outperform 2016. Trump carried the state of Texas in 2016 with almost 4.7 million votes compared to the less than 3.9 million garnered by his Democratic opponent, Hillary Clinton. And remember, they keep telling us that Texas is going Democrat. So anyway, just keep in mind, when we come back, we're going to talk about what the senators can and cannot do. One is they can't run for president. Because they got to sit there and listen. Yes, sit there. Warren's going to have to sit there. Sanders going to have to sit there. Several of them that are going to be sitting there were running for president aren't now. You know, Kamal but- Harris and... And Booker, they're done. We got to get to the news. Let's do that. One oh one one FM, the answer, home of Rush Limbaugh. Okay, let's continue on. I'm going to turn it over to Elizabeth here for a moment. She's going to tell excuse me, tell you what it is that uh it, well, I tell you what, before we do that, I see Matt Hertz ready to talk to us. So let's go to back to Richmond, Virginia. Matt has been there at the rally today as well. We just heard from Jan Morgan over the last about 15 minutes, 20 minutes, talking about there. Matt, uh, big story. Story just came out and said, at the rally, no arrests were made. Evidently, very peaceful rally today. Huge story, Dave. Um, the Capitol Police uh, estimate more than 20,000 people descended on the three or four square blocks around the Capitol, uh, no arrests, 
uh, people from all over the Commonwealth of Virginia. In fact, um, even even Antifa was there. Uh, I, I saw them outside the perimeter. They were protesting in support of our Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms, mm-hmm. citing it as a civil rights issue, and that for decades, for more than a hundred years, gun confiscation. And, uh, and and opposition to the Second Amendment has been used to target minority groups um, and, and restrict their Second Amendment rights. So I did see our friends uh, from Antifa. They were they were protesting, standing side by side with thousands of patriots from across Virginia uh, in a great gun rights organization in Virginia, the Virginia Citizens Defense League, in what was uh, what was a peaceful and at times somber and reflective uh, protest today. Very, very good. That's great. I heard that there were some times that some people wanted to cause some ruckus and the people around them told them, stand down. Well, you know, uh, I, I didn't go into the perimeter. I didn't I didn't want to go through the, the, the line of security. And, and so I was I was out there with militia groups and and moms and dads and, and, and folks from across the country. And I'll tell you that the folks there were were reflective. They were peaceful. Um, they were having, you know, jovial conversations with one another. And, and despite or uh, the only the only shouting that I would occasionally hear were from candidates who are trying to get on the ballot uh, in Virginia in 2020. Um, but most people were, <laughs> were just having a good time. And I tell you, I haven't felt this kind of energy uh, since 2009, since really the, the early days of the Tea Party. And, and I think if if Virginia, if conservatives in Virginia are able to channel this energy uh, that is uh, that is palpable, that we, we felt today, I think that. Um, that the electoral uh, progress, what we've seen in Virginia the last two or three election cycles, could be reversed in 2020 and as we go, as we head into legislative elections in the next couple of years. Okay, yeah, that's what I wanted to talk to you about. You remember Santilli, all right, when he was on the floor of uh, Wall Street and he went off on CNBC, uh, I think it was on Kramer's show, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, it gave birth to the Tea Party. Is this do you think this is going to lead to a huge surge for gun rights groups in the country? I think so. And I think what we've seen with the Second Amendment sanctuary movement across not only Virginia, but also Tennessee and Kentucky and other states is a is a rallying cry in support of our of our God given right to self-defense. And and what I hope. And, 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 you know, your listeners, Dave, and you know that I've, I've spent a long time organizing conservative activists. I, I will be, I'll be honest on this program. I've been at times frustrated with my friends in the Second Amendment community um, because occasionally they, they aren't as interested as in getting trained up in being effective. But what I saw today were folks who, who are passionate about these rights, who want to advocate for these rights, and who want to use the, the legislative and the electoral process. And so I think what we're seeing in, in Virginia, particularly with, with BCDL, uh, the gun rights group in, in our Commonwealth, I think we're going to see a real movement to, um, to move us back toward a constitutional government. And I think that's spreading. I've seen it in other states as I've traveled the country. All right, fantastic. So kind of explain how it was today. Jan said it was shoulder-to-shoulder with people that were like-minded. 
Absolutely. I, I drove down to Richmond. I live in Northern Virginia, uh, what they call the People's Republic of Arlington, uh, where we have very few, <laughs> very few supporters of the Second Amendment. And I drove down last night, um, and every I went to uh, I went to dinner at a restaurant, and I stopped by a couple of a couple of bars, and everyone in the restaurant and the two bars were were Second Amendment supporters. The, the conversation was, like I said, jovial. And then this morning, I, I left the hotel about six blocks from the Capitol at 5 a.m. I walked down to the legislative building because I have elected representatives here in Virginia, and I wanted to speak with them. Uh, I met some patriots outside. We, we quickly got in. The state police and the security were um, – they were awesome. They, they, were, uh, they were polite. They were very efficient. Um, everything worked very well. And then out, once, once I lobbied my, my state reps and, and state senators, I went out to the, to the plaza, and it was. It was shoulder to shoulder. It was the, the most tightly packed uh, rally that I'd ever been to, uh, and just great Americans from, like I said, from all over the Commonwealth and all over the country coming to, uh, to fight for this uh, here in Virginia. All right, Jed, any questions uh, for him? I think this is a great report. I'm just very excited to hear about all the energy. We need that to save our republic. And and that is my that is my one significant caution is if you are fired up about the Second Amendment and about our right to keep and bear arms, you cannot let that fire burn out because it is a long time between now and election twenty twenty. And in Virginia it's a long time between now and the next state legislative elections. So we have to constantly remind our friends and allies who who will go back to their lives. They'll go back to retirement. They'll go back to work. They'll go back to raising their families and starting a business. And they will be distracted by these things that 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 have that have kept them, you know, kept them uniquely American for all of their lives. And we have to remind them that not turning out on election day, that not turning out to support candidates who are fighting for these rights, uh, is is doing a disservice to to our constitution. Yeah, I, I, I got to tell you, it, it excites me. Did you get to catch Jan speaking today, Jan Morgan? I didn't because I, like I said, I didn't go inside the perimeter uh, and uh, and was mingling out near uh, near the building south of where the rally was, uh, which is the legislative building. So we were moving people in and out of the legislative building to make sure they could talk to the representatives. And I tell you what, there's uh, in, in Virginia. Um, the Virginia Citizens Defense League has this very recognizable bright orange sticker that reads "Gun Save Lives." Mm-hmm. And when I was in the legislative building for a few hours this morning, people were—they uh, were all over the place. Those stickers were on almost every person that I encountered, uh, going from state senator office to, to state delegate office. Uh, just dozens and, and hundreds of people um, talking to their elected representatives about the importance of the Second Amendment. I heard a great. Uh... A bumper sticker somebody's talking about. It says, don't Virginia, my state. (laughs) That is, I'm going to take personal offense to that because I think we can turn a corner here in Virginia. (laughs) I would prefer to say, don't California, my Virginia. Yeah, I got you. They got that in Texas. All right, because they're calling it, you know, California text now down there, and it's getting bad. It's getting really bad. Do you know what the number one city for absolute completely dismal uh, homelessness now is in the United States. What city? Oh, I bet it's San Francisco. No. Austin, no. Texas. Austin, Texas. Ah. Austin, yeah. Texas. Why, why do we not have these problems up north? <laughs> yeah, send them all up north. You know, I kind of wonder. They find, they find the greats to, to lay on. They were doing that when I was a kid. 
All right. Hey, I'll tell you what, William, I appreciate you joining us today. It's a it's a very appreciative thing. Thank you Go so out. much. Are you back home now? I, I am back uh, safe and sound in Arlington, and I'm looking forward to the next opportunity to come out to Little Rock and, and see you guys. When you guys, you, when you get out here, you come sit down in my studio, brother. Happy to do it. All right. We'll talk to you later. Thanks so much. William Hurt it was at the uh, rally. 20,000 20, people. Not a single arrest. Nope. It's fantastic. Now, it's here's my prediction. About. It won't be on the news. You will not hear. We'll see that what there they were have that many say. people they're, and no they're trouble. They're going to paint everybody that is there as a hillbilly redneck. I'm going to tell you, they're going to show them all in camo and and you know going doing their thing. If there was an if there was a Confederate flag flying, you will see. Oh, it you'll see that on national news tonight. I, I noticed in the social media pictures I saw earlier today, uh, there was a lot of talk on social media. Do not wear red do not wear trump do not wear maga hats do not i didn't see in I all the pictures it. i saw, saw earlier a lot today, of camo today i brother. saw a lot of camo i saw a lot of black <laughs> i saw a lot of t-shirts i did not see any of the maga hats or any of that so um get the message out let people know okay so we got to get a break in before we go to break let me give you another piece of audio this is uh you know uh, mr uh Oatmeal drool out of the corner of his mouth, Biden, and what he had to say about Bernie or Warren. It, and just take this as what we've talked about that uh, Pelosi is trying to help Biden make sure that he gets the nomination. Listen to what he has to say about Bernie or Warren. Cut one. The top of the ticket matters, as you all know, in South Carolina. I'm just asked a rhetorical question Bernie's the top of the ticket in, North, in South Carolina. Or um, uh, or uh, uh, Warren's the top of the ticket. How many Democrats down the line you think are going to win? Um, uh, and uh, it's just it's just practical. Um, and so the question is, who is best equipped to help Democrats win in North Carolina, Georgia, Florida, Texas, Michigan, Pennsylvania? and several Arizona, several other states. And if you look at the data in those states, I win in those states. Um, and uh, or I'm competitive in those states. I, I, I'm not saying it will hold, but they had me beating Trump in Texas. They had me beating Trump in Florida by a, a wide margin, et cetera. So I think the candidate has to be someone who is going to help the ticket down the line. They're going to be able to run with and not run away from. And that's why I respectfully suggest so many frontline candidates are endorsing me. That is, the candidates who I don't know that well, I campaign for a lot of them, but who are in districts that way where they beat a Republican. Forty-one Democrats beat a Republican to take back the Senate. All right, back with you. Last segment with Elizabeth, and she has to head on back to Conway. At least it's a nice day. It's not it raining. That's for exactly a right. It is a nice change. <laughs> Might be a little chilly outside. It's 40 degrees right now, but still, lots of sunshine beautiful, today. Beautiful, beautiful sunshine. Great day. Yesterday. All right, you came up with a story about what the senators can't do. Because I want to say what they can't do during the trial, because there's a whole lot more that they can't do than they can do. So let me uh, turn it over to you. <laughs> Under penalty of death. Under okay. penalty, Under penalty of, death. of death. You will not speak. 
you may have heard on the news that if they have questions, they're going to have to write them out and submit them, just like we do when we have to go to a town hall. I think right. that's pretty great. It's going to stop a lot of the grandstanding that goes on. And, and should. I like it. I like it a lot. But, no, they cannot speak. They can't talk to each other. They are not supposed to be on their phones at all, not even talking about what's going on. They are not supposed to bring into the chamber any materials with them for reading that have, if it's not about the impeachment, they're not supposed to be doing it, period. Cool. You got to sit there, no phone, no reading material. You can't be distracted. You can't be, unfortunately, you can't be trying to keep caught up on the events that are happening in your home state. Right. Now, this thing's supposed to go on for 12 hours a day, for starts six at, days a week. noon and goes to midnight or something like that? It's going to start, yeah. Well, our time, noon to no- midnight, uh, 1 p.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern time, if they use that entire time. Of course, the left is saying the Republicans are going to hide in the middle of the night. No, I think they're actually being pretty smart because many people can only watch them on TV at That's night right. when they come in from work. Okay, let me just say that we will carry... Uh, live coverage many times uh, during my show because you know I'm going to be on a lot. It makes no sense for me to have some you know guest that really doesn't have a really important things to say when impeachment is going this on. This is this is historic and and you know firsthand and if if you've got the stomach for it you should listen. <laughs> yeah, you'll be able to listen to what the the managers are well, saying. Well, this is this is what I was getting at with the 12 hours a day, 6 days a week thing, okay? Not only is it going to dominate more than it does now all the news coverage and everything else, there won't be anything else to see or hear about. But stop and think about this. Nothing is going to get done in our US government as long as this is going on. There's not going to be time. They no, can't, there's they not. Can't, they can't even keep up with what's going on at home during the week because they're going to be sitting there for 12 hours a day, six days a week, and they can't do anything. That means they don't get to come home. They can't come Senators home. Senators can't come home. And, of course, Pelosi in this way can prevent certain people from being on the campaign trail, and Biden's got a clear shot. Yeah, and she's, that means that Warren and Sanders cannot be out campaigning except maybe on Sunday. They've also done some interesting things. I saw an article that I thought was rather interesting. Uh, you see this on the news a lot. Um, it was down in the basement a lot of times when the hearings were going on with the House. But you see the reporters, and they're walking up to the people in the hallway, and they grab them in that hallway. You see a lot of times on news with all the brick in the hallway that's down in the basement. The reporters are prevented. You cannot speak to senators no. about it. Uh-uh. You are not allowed to walk up to them and ask them questions. Get, you have to be they if you're will, a reporter in a special area, and they will come over and talk to you, yeah, maybe. But you, you cannot speak ex, to them. Ex, uh, you know, escorted, you escorted out, of out. The cap, out of the Capitol. Now, I, the the thing I don't know, I don't know if these are standard rules or no. if they're special rules for they're just special. this time. Yeah, they're special. I like it a lot. A lot. That's a shout out to Senator McConnell because, you know, this is going to stop a lot of the circus that has gone on. That's what he's trying to do. Exactly. And a lot of these things they did during the Clinton impeachment. Well, and they're going to scream at the top of their lungs about not being able to speak, not having free speech and everything else. But this is going to stop a lot of the grandstanding and a lot of the craziness. It's also going to stop leaks that come out while someone is actually talking or testifying in the hearing. And yet over here you get a leak coming out of that testimony. How in the world does that happen? 
Yeah. It's going to stop a lot of that garbage. Okay. Now, you were talking about Pascal. We had mentioned, I had mentioned him talking about Dallas. You said you had some other numbers for us? Well, you're a geek. I mean, I know you're not a geek in this way, but but Brad Pascal kind of gets me going because he's the, he is the geeky guy for the campaign, and he's got all the numbers. So the rally that was in, what did I just tell you? December 30th. Yeah. Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Milwaukee, Wisconsin. That rally. And this was huge because there was there was a whole shift in numbers going into that rally of over 60% of the people against impeachment of Trump. That's that yeah, as far as news reports go, Mr. Pascal Parscal puts out information every rally about his data gathering and typically maybe 20 to 25 percent of the room has been democrats self-identified democrats in the case of this rally on december 30th it was almost 58 percent well see that makes sense it's a democrat state especially in milwaukee well but i'm just saying you know these are people area and it's also about 20 percent of that crowd according to him had never vote had not voted in the last election wow okay there are people showing up the one before that, the, the numbers of Democrats has risen from 20 to 25 percent. It's been steadily going up at the last two or three rallies. The rally before the one in Michigan was in Wisconsin, and it was at about 40-something. Sorry, the one in Wisconsin is 58 percent. The one before that was about 43 percent. The numbers of, uno, you know, uno, not Republicans, let's call them, okay. not Republicans. Uh, you know, it's going up, it's going up, it's going up. So, hey. Let them go ahead and keep going. Let them ask for let them ask for um, witnesses. Let this thing drag on for a little while longer. That's going to be easier for everybody to remember it next November. Yeah, it's not November. I'm not, not asking for that, but if that's the way you, it goes. November's that's fine. not that far away. And let me remind you something else. March is not far away, mm-hmm. and at you'll be going to the polls for the Republicans as far as the primary is concerned. You'll want to make sure you get out and vote for your candidates because some of these races, whoever wins the primary is going to win the race because there's nobody from the other side running. Early voting begins February 17th. That's less than a month away. It's two days after my birthday. And the, the, in That's Faulkner President's County, Day. Yeah. Yeah. In Faulkner County, my problem, or if you want to call it that, we don't have that many local races. The judicial races, people, listen huge. up, listen up. If you're not aware, that is not a primary on March 3rd for judicial races. No, Let's make that the, clear. That is, is the election. election. Doesn't matter if you don't have your state rep or your local JP or whoever on your ballot. It doesn't matter. Got to go vote. Those are the judicial races. That's it. Mm-hmm. March the 3rd. Absolutely. So, Tell your friends about this. I'll be mentioning this on my Facebook. I'll continue to mention it on my show. But. All of us together mentioning it to people, maybe we can get the turnout to be just a tad better than it normally is in a primary. Well, and you can be part of this because you would not believe even now how many people do not know that that is not the primary for judicial races. And now that they've moved it up to March, it's not even May. It's really confusing. Tell your friends they've got to go vote. When do you got to be registered by? It's February third. There you go. You February third. You got a One week. Mo- you know, got a about week a week and a couple and a half. of days. Get yourself registered if you haven't already. Elizabeth, thank you so much. 
Thanks for having Appreciate me. Appreciate you Always. coming in. We'll see you next Monday here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Before we go out, uh, the, the news is coming up. I got time to play John Cornyn. Cut number nine. Here's what he thinks about impeachment. Well, it's, it is, uh, he's been charged with abuse of power, which is not treason, which is not bribery, which is not a high crime and misdemeanor. So this is the first time in history where a president has been impeached for a non-crime for events that never occurred. Uh, ultimately, the investigation never took place, and ultimately the, the aid was uh, delivered. Uh, well, this is really unique, and I think every senator is going to take this very seriously. o'clock hour and uh, robert steinbach should be with us any moment now to join us here on the dave ellswick show uh as you know at the end of last week a couple of people joined the president's legal team one of them being ken Starr, and the other being alan dershowitz and i got a great cut from alan dershowitz here's what he had to say cut 10 I just I want to make this clear because I'm not seeing this clearly, Alan. Who hired you? I was asked by the president's defense team to become of counsel on the specific issue of the criteria, the constitutional criteria for impeachment. That's a very important issue. I will be making that argument as an advocate, not as an expert witness. I will be advocating against impeachment of this president based on the constitutional criteria In the Constitution, the framers' uh, debates, the Federalist Papers, the history of the three prior impeachment cases, the scholarly um, arguments that have been made on all sides, I will be presenting a very strong argument. If you want a prelude of my argument, read the great uh, speech of Justice Benjamin Curtis, who, remember, was the Supreme Court justice who dissented in uh, Dred Scott, and he made the successful argument in front of the Senate that in order for a president to be impeached, and Johnson was impeached on charges that didn't include criminal conduct, he argued successfully to the Senate that criminal-like conduct is required. That argument prevailed. I will be making that argument as a lawyer on behalf of the president's defense team against impeachment. That's my role. It's very clear. 
I've done it before. It's a common role that lawyers play to be specialized lawyers of counsel on particular constitutional issues. So, and that's what I'll be doing. I mean, I think of it like special teams on a football team, then, perhaps. You're still on the team. Very important. That's to know. fine. Jeffrey, I'm the kicker. I'm the kicker. Right, and the I kicker. can win the I can you kick can win the, the field game. goal that wins the game. That's right. <laughs> I love that little sports, you know, I can kick the field goal that wins the game. Got to gotta love that. You've got to absolutely love that. Okay, so Robert is making his way in. I, I just just played uh, Dershowitz, uh, and he said he's like on the special teams, and he says, I can kick the field goal that wins the game. So I'm looking. I like Dershowitz. I've liked him even though I didn't agree with anything he said. He's a smart guy. No one can dispute that he's a smart guy. He openly says, I voted for Hillary. I voted for Hillary. But his point is, it's one thing to vote for Hillary. It's another thing to believe in fair process. And he's always, he's been a criminal defendant. So he, Well, it's th- another thing to tear up the Constitution. Well, that's – let me tell you. That's what fair process is about. The Constitution – the process in the Constitution is most focused on the rights of the accused. Now, you might say, well, what about the rest of us? Well, but the point is, if you don't give rights to those who are accused, then none of us have rights. That's exa- that is exactly right. And that's why um, I had a couple of people report today from Richmond, Virginia. I heard the it. gun rights uh, rally that was going on there. William Hurt and, of course, Jan Morgan was there. Did you hear Jan? She, they I could, did. They couldn't see. They couldn't see her, so she got up on the wall. <laughs> She's lucky they didn't pull her down. Exactly. Seriously, I they know. Really it. Are. I know. So, as soon as we get a copy of her speech, I'll make sure I play it tomorrow. But tomorrow, uh, here's what I'll tell you that you can expect to hear: the Senate. I'll be playing the Senate tomorrow. Um, Salem Radio has um, a direct access to the. Uh, the chamber, so it'll give you an opportunity to listen in, and that's the way we're going to do it tomorrow. Uh, it is a day of history tomorrow uh, here in the United States. You don't impeach a president every day. You don't have a trial. You know, I, I love the, the take that they've been doing on Pelosi. You know, she said impeachment is forever. You know what the people have been shooting back at her? So is acquittal. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) I I heard that. By the way, it's a disgusting comment because, remember, impeachment is the equivalent to an indictment. Yeah. And everybody knows you are not, you are innocent until Until proven proven guilty. guilty. Everybody knows that a charge by a prosecutor is not a damnation. It is a charge until it is proven beyond a reasonable doubt. So it's really, it's an offensive statement, I dare say, because, you know, the liberals throw around that they're offended at everything. Hey, you looked the wrong way at me. I'm offended. Well, you know what I'm offended by? Your attempt to offend the virtue of the Constitution. People are innocent until proven guilty. He will always have been charged, and he will always have been proven innocent. That's exactly right. You know, Pelosi just doesn't get it. Well, no, she does. Oh, she gets it. She's get it. She oh, knows, she gets it. She knows how to play kabuki theater, and that's well, what she's doing. Uh, uh, now, bear with me for just a moment, Dave, because this might seem like a stretch, but it truly is not. Okay. She's about as legitimate on her statements of, oh, this is solemn, this is serious, 
as John Cooper is serious about his claim that he's pro-gun. Okay? Because I just yeah. heard that uh, tape that you played on Friday again. And John Cooper says, well, I looked through this bill from Bob Ballinger and supported, of course, by Dan Sullivan and every other conservative in the state on Stand Your Ground. And I, I discovered the loophole yeah. that would allow people to get murdered. Yeah. Well, guess what, Dave? I took a look at the bill again. There's no loophole. There's no loophole. That's right. He's full of Shinola. Yeah. Well, okay. He is. There's no doubt about that. There's no there there is no doubt about it. So let me ask that. I've been asking. I asked Jan this. I asked William Hurt this. After what you saw in Virginia today, you'll remember when uh, I think it was. Spicola, the guy from uh, the the floor of the of the of uh, the Wall Street years ago, uh, that spoke out on Kramer's show about the crazy stuff going on with the economy, and thus the uh, Tea Party was born. You remember that? I don't remember that specific event. I certainly but remember the, the period event. in which the Tea. No, that's I do not remember that, that event. That's the event that. Kicked it off. Got it. Got it. And in fact, Zach, if you'll look on YouTube, look up Tea Party Start Wall Street, and it'll pop up there. We'll play it back. I mean, it's not very long at all what this guy did, but but he, he set a fire. I believe the same thing has happened today with this huge, huge, uh, Gun rally, gun, gun rally. rights rally, yeah. to be in, clear. In Virginia, clear. Uh, I think, I mean, we don't have to start a brand new, uh, you know, gun rights group. You just go out and join yeah. well, the myriad of well, gun rights groups that are out there. Oh, or just, here's another group you can uh, join, Dave. Uh, Americans. Law-abiding yeah. Americans. Yeah, and just, you know, and like I've been saying, it is something like this that if you show this many people show up outside a cap- not even that many if half that many if a if a third of that many showed up in front of the arkansas capitol well we and we have a much lower population yeah, of course i mean my goodness you want to talk about making uh, a huge huge impact on elected officials well this is why This is why people like, and I I don't mean to pile on, I really don't, but it's people like John Cooper who say they're pro-gun, but their behavior is exactly 100% the opposite. opposite. I agree. And so he is the clearest example. In Arkansas, what we rarely have are the true lefties who come out and say, well, I'm Mm anti-gun. I know folks like that, by the way, because I work at the university, and universities tend to be more left of center than the general population. Correct. And and this is not a criticism. The, I know people who say, well, if I would had the power or if I could get the votes, I would repeal the Second Amendment. Okay, that's a, that's a policy. Good luck, but, yeah. Right, it's not going to happen. But it's a policy preference that they're entitled to have, but they're honest about it. Yeah. Politicians in this state on the left won't say that, because they know they can't get elected. So people like John Cooper and plenty of others come out, well, I'm pro-gun, and I like this, and I like... Did you vote for this gun bill? No. Did you vote for this? No. Did, no. Well, then you're not pro-gun rights. Or they'll say, I'm pro-gun, but... Exactly, but... 
That and just the butt, wiped out everything. Yeah, it swallows just the whole thing. Yeah, just takes it. Did you find it with him? Okay, he's looking. I'll yeah. help you during the break so we can play it. But I think that this had that kind of effect. Right now, I want to play uh, two cuts back-to-back. I want to play cut five and cut six back-to-back. Here is Lindsey Graham from yesterday. To have his day in court that he did get in the house, it'd be nice to have a lawyer present. It'd be nice to request witnesses. I guarantee you, he'll get a better deal in the house uh, than Senate did in the house. But his mood is to go to the State of the Union with this behind him and talk about what he wants to do for the next rest of 2020 and what he wants to do for the next four years. He is very much comfortable with the idea this is going to turn out well for him. He believes politically this has helped him. He thinks it's a threat to the presidency. The one thing he talks to me constantly about is what does the next president do after this if this is successful he does not want a legitimized attack on the presidency and that's my number one goal is to do this trial in a fashion that no house republican or democrat ever again will do what this house did to impeach this president. You did not allow him to call any witnesses. He could not have a lawyer present during the House Intel Committee. This has been a partisan railroad job, and you're asking for fairness in Senate. You violated every norm of what we do. It took five years for Starr to look at Clinton. Uh, Mueller looked at uh, Trump for almost two years, and you took 48 days. So here's what I would say. The sooner this is over, the better for the country. We can get back to do the business of the American people uh, and do things that really matter to them. I've, I've seen, I've been very consistent. I supported Mueller. I trusted him to be fair. This has been a political hit job. This is political revenge. And what they're doing to the presidency is a danger to the institution itself. There you go. This is political Revenge, And he's right. Of course he's right. Moreover, oh, well, the Democrats say, oh, well, we need we need witnesses now. B- by the way, I'm not. N- they could have called the four people they want to call from the, the, the president's team right. could have been called in the House. They didn't call it because they didn't want to have to go to court. Exactly. To challenge the president on his authority. Exactly. That's the only reason. Now exactly. they want the, the Republicans to do their, right, their job, job so they can draw this out. That's exactly. it. Exactly. It's a, it's a rush. It's a rush. It's a rush. Wait. we got to wait. Yeah. It's a joke. Yeah, it is a joke. It's absolutely a joke. Okay, let's get our break in. All right. We got the man here. Robert Steinbach is here on the Dave Ellswick Show, 1011 FM, the answer, the home of Rush Limbaugh. All right, back with you. Ted Cruz talking about the impeachment trial. Here's what he had to say. Cut eight. I, I think it's certainly possible that this trial could last one to two weeks. On the other hand, if the Senate makes the decision to go down the road of additional witnesses, that could extend it to six, eight weeks or even longer. So I, so I think there are really two paths here. But, but what you just noted there is important. This week is going to be the first time in a year that the president has had the opportunity to defend himself, to lay out the facts, to lay out the law, to lay out the actual substance. We've seen months and months and months of, of a one-sided show trial from House Democrats where they didn't want to hear from the defense, where they shut out the White House, where they shut out the minority. The, the good news is in the Senate, what I'm confident of is we're going to have a fair trial. We're not going to give in to the kind of games that House Democrats have played. 
instead to get both sides a, a, a full and fair opportunity to present their case. The House managers will have every opportunity to stand up and to present their arguments, to put forth whatever evidence they have. But for the first time, the president, the White House defense team is going to be able to walk through the facts and substance. And I think that's a very, very important development. All right. Back with you. So Ted Cruz, you know, he makes the statement that he just wants this trial to be full and fair where the House Democrats were. And I don't think anybody's going to argue this point one sided. Oh, Democrats would argue it, I guess. No, we gave him a chance. We said he could come over and he could testify without a lawyer. <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, here's one of the things that I find really interesting. Sometimes you hear uh, often, the, the, you know, the Democrats, well, you're saying, don't you think he, and you know, who says this a lot, Schumer, don't you think he would want to come and prove his innocence? Wait, what? Wait, wait. If you've ever watched television, if you have ever watched a police procedural show, prove your innocence, there is no proving your innocence. That's right. You're innocent until they prove your guilt. They say that specifically on the the new, uh, was it uh, the one that they do live PD, live PD. Oh, one of the live PDs, of course. And then on cops, they say that. Because it's the law. All defendants are innocent innocent until until proven proven guilty. guilty. Yeah. So is it, well, wouldn't you want to prove, no, you know what I would want? I would want the case dismissed. If I was wrongfully charged, I would want the case dismissed. Yeah. Yep. So here's my here's my thought. If if that's what they believe, well, I can easily make up false accusations about a variety of Democrats and then let's have a trial. Sure. Right? And they'll say, wait, no, no trial. I didn't do anything. No, I know they're false, but prove yourself innocent. Just like in the Soviet Union. Okay, so did you have you well I pay it probably more attention than a lot of people do about what these candidates are saying and things of that nature. I want you to hear what Elizabeth Warren, I played this earlier, so for our drive time guests, not hosts, but to listeners, I want them to hear what Elizabeth Warren claimed about the judges that Donald Trump has nominated. Here's cut number four again. Hey, Zach, cut number four again, please. I think what's at the heart of it is who you ask to be a judge, who you want on your list to be a judge. And I'll tell you what the answer's been for Donald Trump, because I've seen this, guys. Homophobic, that's in. Racist, that's in. Um, uh, Sexist, oh yeah, most definitely. And anti-voter, that's been a big qualification. He has named one person after another who, and I don't mean we have kind of a a sense that that's who those people are. I mean, look at their written records. Look at the activities they've already engaged in. Look at the fights they've been in and which side they were on. It's, it's really remarkable, Dave. Number how- one, has she writ- read all of these judges that Trump has put in their written records? Of course not, right? This is just the, ti- the typical... Again. Well, it's beyond hyperbole. Lies. She, <laughs> right, she's gotten the leftist handbook. Racist, sexist, ist. She just starts screaming. Phobic. Right, phobic. Now, remember, this is what she did to Bernie just the other day. Sexist. Yeah. Wait, I'm losing. Sexist. Yeah. Racist. Wait, I'm losing. Ist. Ist. I'm losing. Yeah, said that I couldn't win because I'm a woman. Yeah, exactly. Race card. Yeah, she throws down the sex card. Exactly. 
So it's it's interesting. She's in trouble. Oh my gosh! And I will repeat on the show to show my honesty. I early on thought she was going to get the nomination. I did too, but she's nope. she's doing her best to keep it right. away from her. That's right. I'm not taking the heat. She's the one that's digging her own she's grave. She's pushing it over to the Sanders. Exactly. Everybody's starting to talk about Sanders now. That's not good for Joe Biden. And it's not good for Warren. But she's I think she's out of it at this point. It's really yeah. remarkable. Well, I know that a lot of her money's dried up. Is that right? Yeah. That's that's the case. We'll we'll talk about well, that. Well her rhetoric's dried up, so maybe her money's drying up along with it. <laughs> that's true. All, All right. right, we gotta get a break. Yes, then. sir. One oh one one FM, the answer, the home of Rush Limbaugh. We'll be back after the news. Okay, back. Yeah, did you read my lips? No, I didn't follow you. <laughs> Dave was trying to tell me something just before we went on the air. I have no idea what it was, so yeah, we'll figure uh, it out I'll afterwards. I'll tell you during break. Yeah, no worries. Hey, did you hear the Did you hear the ICE director cheering uh, Bill de Blasio, a, a new one? It, appropriately. You heard this? Uh, yeah, because... the About the sanctuary city? Yeah, Bill de Blasio, the mayor of New York City, creates amongst... Oh, wait, I want you to say his name the way you say it. Bill de blah, blah, Blasio, all right? <laughs> Mayor of New York City that. for like another day until yeah. he's done with his term and not uh, electable to any other office in the United States, including within New York State. Oh, so they they have term limits? Oh, he's term limited for the uh, he's mayorship. Dying. Yeah, oh, he's good. in his second. God. That's right. That makes me feel good. But the point is, he wouldn't get elected to dog catcher any longer. I heard Lindsay was coming back from the dead and running right. again. Just to run against him. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's kind of the inverse of, of the joke I like to tell, which is Bill de Blasio actually died several years ago. Nobody told him. Yeah, that, right? and that's the truth. Yeah. That is the truth. Well, here's here's what the director of ICE had to say about the mayor, Cut 12. I'm going to extend my condolences to the family and friends of Maria Fuertes, a 92-year-old woman who was recently raped and murdered here in New York City by an illegal alien that ICE could have arrested if not for the city's policies. As a law enforcement officer, we work every day to ensure the safety of those in the communities we serve. And there's no worse feeling than when those innocent citizens you are sworn to protect are needlessly harmed. I also want to introduce a gentleman on stage with me. To my right is Thomas Decker, the field office director for ICE enforcement and removal operations here in New York City. To my left, I have some gentlemen from the New York PD Sergeants Benevolence Association, Vincent Vallelong, Mike Perugia, Edmund Small, and Paul Capitosto. They'll be available to answer any questions after this event if you'd like to speak with them as well. As much as I like New York City, I got to tell you, I hate that I'm here right now. As a 25-year law enforcement professional, it's unbelievable that I have to come here and plead with the city of New York to cooperate with us to help keep this city safe. And unfortunately, it's not a new battle. Myself and others within ICE and DHS, both in this administration and the last, have been trying for the better part of a decade to get the city to cooperate with ICE in furtherance of our shared public safety mission. Time and time again, our efforts and our warnings of the disastrous consequences of non-cooperation and even outright interference have gone unheeded, resulting in tragedies such as this one, and countless victims whose lives were forever scarred 
at the hands of illegal criminal aliens. And as long as politicians continue to put their own self-interests over those they have sworn to protect, and frankly, those who actually put them in office, this tragic situation will be repeated again and again. Make no mistake, it is this city's sanctuary policies that are the sole reason this criminal was allowed to roam the streets freely and end an innocent woman's life. There you go. Yeah. He said it. He, 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 he mashed him with it. And de Blasio's not saying nothing. Well, because he's responsible. 92-year-old woman. Not murdered, just murdered. Right. Raped. Raped, and murdered. Raped before she was murdered. Whoever did that, if, if there has ever been a justification for a death penalty, can you think of a more proper use of it? But does, does New York have death penalty still? I don't no, I don't think so. Because I know they don't have it in California. Yeah, I don't think so. I'm not positive, to be honest with you, because they had re reestablished it when when they had the Republican governor. That's years and years ago, and I don't know. I presume since Cuomo was elected, they took it away. But I don't know because I've been gone. You know, I've been out in New York. Yeah, no, it's I, a I long went time. there for a little while to take care of my mother. I was living there, but I yeah. was not a voter there. I haven't been a voter. In Oh my gosh! Who was thirty the, years? Who was the last mayor that was Republican? Sorry, P. The last mayor of New York City, not mayor, not mayor, oh. me, governor, governor. Sorry, yeah, that P. was the guy who ran for president. Yeah, when Trump thinking. ran, and I can't, I, right, think of and his I can't name remember. Now. He was a complete uh, when he ran for president. He's he was, rhino. Yeah, and he's just such a he's, he's a white wimp. bread, you know. And I don't mean that in terms of like race. White, no. it just it, there's nothing to it. You ever eat a piece yeah. of white bread plain? There's nothing to That's it. Why right? I know people want to eat white bread because. Right. It's nothing. It's right. a whole lot of air. That's right. That's right. It's just the way yeah, it goes. That's a, what was his name? We'll have to look Especially it up. Especially P. Uh, okay. Such, I believe you. Who was the former governor of New York? Go back. Republican. About, go back. Yeah, Republican. Go back about three, four terms. Because he, he played a big deal in the Republican Party for a long time. And then he just kind of shriveled up and went away. Yeah. He was there kind of when... Wasn't uh, Giuliani? That's when he was mayor. I think so. I think he he was governor. Right. I right. just can't. I got it on the tip of my tongue. It's right. on the tip of my tongue. Right. He's but, a Republican. Yes. Yeah. He's a George Repo- Pataki. Pataki. That's it. That's it. That's it. Or should I say the way it used to be, Pataki? Pataki. <laughs> George Pataki here. That's, what, that's the way they. Oh man. That's right. Okay, and then beat him, didn't he? I don't know if he was. I don't know if he beat him. I think he might have been turned out. Actually, yeah. Yeah. And then, and And I don't think Como. And then old Como won. Is that no? Pataki took. uh, Yeah, Pataki. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Anyway, but he didn't do nothing. He didn't do anything. No. Big for the people of New York. He couldn't. He may have. He. I think he was the one that brought back the death penalty. At the time. All right. But I don't think it's still in place. But I'm not sure. All right. So. Vice President Pence was out talking over the weekend. What did he have to say? Yeah, he had some good things. Did you hear us talking, uh, Elizabeth and I, uh, Pascali was talking about how many uh, Democrats are showing up at Trump rallies. Zach, uh, why is it that every time I come in on an afternoon session, it's like a, it's like a test? It's like I'm going to my <laughs> class. Right, Zach? Every time I come in, David's like, oh, did you hear me at 2.38? It's my turn. I it's stepped out turn. of the room. Yeah, it's my turn now to test you. Exactly. Now, here's the key. Here's the key. Yeah. He, it's been shown. I guess that's the best way to say it. And said, "Did you hear?" No, it's, been show, it's been shown yeah. now by Pascal that most ha- over half there in Milwaukee were Democrats that went to see the president. 
Oh, really? Over 58. And they were supporting him. 50, yes. Wow. 58%. That's great. That's great. On top of that now, he has shown that nearly 18%, not just in Milwaukee, but Dallas, Milwaukee, and all the different ones he's been at, mm-hmm. 18% of Latin, Latinos. Mm-hmm. And the amount of blacks following this president mm-hmm. have now exponentially started to explode. So, like, it's over 20% now. That's huge. That's absolutely That is huge. huge. Absolutely. All right. Well, Pence was talking about Latinos. Here's what he had to say. Cut number 13. Four more years. Latinos for Trump are going to lead the way. You know, it really is amazing. I was just talking backstage to a couple reporters about this, the support across this country that we see from Latino Americans. It's really exciting. Under the president's leadership, Hispanic unemployment is at the lowest level ever recorded in American history. All right. That's a short piece. That's yeah. all. I just want you to hear that because right. here's the key. People vote their pocketbooks. Mm-hmm. That's 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 a time-tested statement. People Absolutely. vote their pocketbooks. Unemployment amongst black Americans, lowest that it's ever been. That's right. Latinos, lowest that it's ever been. Asian Americans, lowest it's ever been. Women, lowest it's ever been. Vote your pocketbook. That says four more years to me. That's well, why I've been saying well, all along the president's going to re- win re-election. Well, of course, it was Clinton, Clinton's team that yeah. said it's it's the economy stupid. It's the economy right? stupid, so. and it's very true. It's very that's completely right. And they said that and got themselves elected, and Bush lost. First, probably because of the Ferengi was into it, all right, from from Texas with the big ears. <laughs> the Ferengi. He looked like a Ferengi from... Can I answer? Can I answer? Can I answer? Talking about Perot. I'm Ross Perot. Can I answer the question? Is it not? Is it, Did he not look like a Ferengi from from Space Station? What was that? Space, Deep Space Deep Nine. Deep Space Nine. Remember the Ferengis, the guys with the ears? Oh, yeah. We yeah, remember. he looked like that, didn't mm-hmm. he? All right. So, I mean, I'm not being it's just like Al Green, the congressman from Houston, looks like a Geico caveman. Oh, that's funny. I mean, he really does. I don't know who it is. I mean, I know the name, but I don't know what he looks like. I'll bring the picture. You got to see it. But the bottom line is, is that you got, you know, Pence knows what he's speaking of here. Yeah. The president knows what he's doing. The economy, when it's good. It's awful hard to beat an incumbent, especially when the economy is roaring. Yeah. Look, the truth is that there are various factors that can be used to predict at different levels the likelihood of election or re-election of any given candidate. Yes. One is incumbency alone. Yes. The second is economy. And then there are others as well. Because you got to be really, 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 really good at making people think that you're better to take a chance on than the man that's already there. That's right. Or woman. That's right. Well, and there's an aura of incumbency generally. Mm-hmm. So that's a plus as well. But, of course, we know incumbents have lost. But 
for example, you mentioned Bush Sr. The economy wasn't great, he, uh, and he wasn't dynamic. And those and things. And he said, "Read my lips. Right. No well, that's the other new thing. taxes." That's the other thing. He ran the first time around on his how how much you could rely on him. That's right. And then you couldn't. Nope. And that matters yeah, because if you sell yourself as one thing, that's if I, I hate to do it, but I got to go back to Chuck Cooper, uh, Chuck Cooper, John, John, uh, John Cooper. Cooper, right? The guy who said, "I will vote against Obamacare," mm-hmm. and he was the first. Uh, to vote for it. Yeah. Right? So that matters when you put it front and center. So George Bush Sr. put it front and center and then violated his own pledge. Which allowed the voters then to say, well, why not give this new guy a chance? That's right. That's right. Because they can't trust the old guy. That's right. And I've said it many times on your show, Dave, and maybe some of your listeners don't like when I say it, but I do not think... Clinton was a bad president. I would never say he was a great president because he pursued too many liberal ends. But, but he was pushed around by a Republican Congress. Whatever the cause is, he gets credit for the following thing. He balanced the budget. That's a conservative ideal. And I and, and you want to He say, signed it. I he agree. Said, and he gets credit. I'm not saying he gets more credit than Newt or anything, but I'm not going to be one of these folks that say, well, if a Republican does it, he gets full credit and Democrat. He gets, no, no he gets credit for that. I'll Sorry. give him credit. He signed yeah. the bill. He That's didn't right. have to. And that That's goes right. against everything the Democrats That's wanted. Right. That's right. And he limited welfare as well. Yes, he did. So he gets. So I, I would never say he was a great president because he pursued liberal things that I don't like. And then it was but, all turned around by whom? Who's Not that? Bush. Oh, Obama. Obama. Yeah. All right. Yeah. A break. We'll come back. we got more coming your way. Robert's with us until 5. David Lucas coming up at 5 o'clock here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We were talking today. Did you realize how much the senators have to just sit there in the chambers and can't do squat? That's right. They can't bring in their phones. Oh, they're going to go crazy. Right. They're going to go crazy. They, they can't talk. Right. you got to write out your question. It's I mean, this is all part of uh, from the Clinton. That's right. Time. They're, right. They McC- adopted the McDonald's same process. Right. It's following that. I think it's crazy. Wow. It's That's amazing. Be, and and I was being asked this question from uh, uh, from Elizabeth, and she says they got a space that you can go to if you're a reporter, and you can ask a, somebody a question, but they've got to come over to you and want to talk to you, mm-hmm. and it can't be during the trial. <laughs> And that's right. That would mean that they're going to start at 1 o'clock our time, mm-hmm. okay? Or I'll tell you about 1 o'clock Eastern, 12 here, mm-hmm. and go to midnight our time or 1 o'clock really? in the morning that there. Late? Yes. Oh, my goodness. Six days a week. Oh, my goodness. Re- I didn't know they were running do you realize, midnight. Do you realize that trying to put your story together for that evening right. is going to be like a nightmare? That's right. It will be a nightmare. And you better not leak. You leak. You end up in jail. Right. It's that simple. You'll mm-hmm. go to jail. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I hope they I hope they have to drag somebody out. I really do. But uh I don't know if they will or not. All right. So with that said, I want to play Alan Dershowitz. Yeah. yeah. I love this thing what what Dershowitz says. I think he was on Fox and I think he was talking to Kennedy. Don't call okay. me, but I think he was talking yep. to Kennedy. Here's cut number ten. I just I want to make this clear because I'm not seeing this clearly, Alan. Who hired you? I was asked by the president's defense team to become of counsel on the specific issue of the criteria 
the constitutional criteria for impeachment. That's a very important issue. I will be making that argument as an advocate, not as an expert witness. I will be advocating against impeachment of this president based on the constitutional criteria in the Constitution, the framers' uh, debates, the Federalist Papers, the history of the three prior impeachment cases, the scholarly um, arguments that have been made on all sides. I will be presenting a very strong argument. If you want a prelude of my argument, read the great uh, speech of Justice Benjamin Curtis, who, remember, was the Supreme Court justice who dissented in uh, Dred Scott. And he made the successful argument in front of the Senate that in order for a president to be impeached, and Johnson was impeached on charges that didn't include criminal conduct, he argued successfully to the Senate that criminal-like conduct is required. That argument prevailed. I will be making that argument as a lawyer on behalf of the president's defense team against impeachment. That's my role. It's very clear. I've done it before. It's a common role that lawyers play to be specialized lawyers of counsel on particular constitutional issues. So, and that's what I'll be doing. I mean, I think of it like special teams on a football team, then, perhaps. You're still on the team. Very important. That's to fine. Jeffrey, I'm the kicker. I'm the kicker. Right, and the kicker. I can win the I can. You kick can win the, field the game. Goal that wins the game. That's right. There you go. I can kick the field goal that wins the game. Yeah. Don't you know Alan loves to say that? Does he? he well, he's he's not without ego. Oh, he's got a huge <laughs> ego. Of course he does. He's got a huge ego. <laughs> but I really like him because oh, he's like him so freaking smart. It's I mean, interesting who's that the he... other guy that's just the opposite of him now? Yeah. Um, it's on CNN all the time. Give me a second. Um, he's a Harvard guy, too. Right. Um, Oh, it's in the... Yeah, you know who yeah. I'm saying. I litigated against that other guy. Did you yeah, really? Yeah, when I worked at the DOJ, he was on the other side of the wow. case. Wow. Yeah. yeah we won. Big time stuff, yeah. We won. Well, that's good. I'm okay. glad to hear that. I want to point that out. We won. Yeah, that's good. I like, I like um, that. I can't think of his name, but go ahead. You were going to say about Alan Dershowitz. You were I do think it was kind of interesting that he pointed out that I'm an advocate. I'm an advocate. I don't know why he's pointing that out so much. It's true, but does that is, is that meant to imply something? I don't know. He's yeah. an advocate for this president As who he didn't right. vote for. Right. Because he's being constitutionally screwed. Tribe, tribe is Tribe, yeah. Yeah, I litigated yeah. against Tribe. I should. How can I forget that? Lawrence it's Tribe. Lawrence Tribe. I don't know how I forget his name. Shouldn't yeah. forget his name. Okay, now I was going to show you the picture of Al Green. Yeah. And I told you he looks like a Geico caveman. Yeah. Does he not look like a Geico caveman? Mm, not so much. Oh, come on. <laughs> come on. What do you think, Zach? Zach yeah, says he yes. Says, All yeah. right. Yeah, here he goes. Because he showed me about a couple of months ago. Right. He showed <laughs> me, and I was like, yeah, he actually, it takes a second, you know, once you like, you look at him. Let like, me show it to you again. Oh, he does. I don't know. I don't see it. Maybe that's a good picture. Pretend, of him. pretend that he's in an airport walking down the moving right. sidewalk, right. and he's going past the side. Right, right. <laughs> those were great commercials. <laughs> yes, they? they were. Oh, those were brilliant commercials. I mean, I'm still remembering them, and they're several years old now. I remember good the. Stuff. I remember the bit from Saturday Night Live when um, I forget the name of the actor comedian who used to say. Well, I'm just a caveman lawyer, but the one thing I can tell you is that he deducted interest rate, uh, and it'd go on with some yeah. complicated claim. I, th I felt like saying that uh, when I, actually going back to what I started talking about an hour ago, almost an hour ago, well, a little less, I came on a little late, when Cooper said um, that, what's his name, Ballinger's bill mm -hmm. had a hidden 
exception that allowed for murder. Of course, it does not. Let me make that clear. So I'm reading through the bill and I'm thinking to myself, you know, I'm just a former uh, DOJ and uh, uh, Senate Judiciary Committee attorney who now teaches law from time to time. Uh, But I can't find it, John Cooper. Maybe you can help me find it in that provision. Now, of course, Ballinger's the only practicing attorney in the Senate, and he wrote that bill. John Cooper's not a lawyer at all, uh, and he's a dem dressed up like a Republican. So I think it's highly unlikely. So let me ask you a question. Do you know whose birthday who turned 70 today? No. Howard Dean. Oh, is that right? Yeah! Yahoo! Yahoo! <laughs> I can do that. Yeah. Yeah! <laughs> that was the end of his political yeah. career, as we know. <laughs> Yahoo! Oh, that was crazy. That yeah. was absolutely crazy. But anyway, it's, he's 70 today. Best mm-hmm. to him. Yeah. You know, we thank you because you made Republicans great again. <laughs> he, was, he was nothing if he was not entertaining. Well, he was nothing because he's as bad. He was... I thought no one could be as bad as him, and then Pelosi came along. You saw her fist bumping with Bill Maher on Friday about the impeachment over which they're quite somber and solemn. Yeah, they're somber about it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I know. Mm -hmm. It's like she takes it Why is it all the S words? It's somber. It's solemn. Yeah. Pick a different word. It's like it's a religious experience. I know. You know, I I swear to you, when I watch the managers walking from the house to the— to the Senate, the only thing that was missing was the coffin. Right, in the middle. That had that's the, exactly what I thought. That had the Democratic Party in it. Oh, that's right. <laughs> but they walked like they were carrying a coffin. I know. Three it, by three. They did. They looked like they pallbearers. They really right. did. And then that lady in the front, she's got the two articles. Right, <laughs> exactly. There's nothing there. There's nothing there. Lady, like they're, come on. They're, they're carrying the, the Ark of the Covenant, but there's no Ark. I thought the same thing. That's exactly what I thought. You know what it looked like? It looked like they opened up their the Ark already in their faces had melted. That's Am true. I right, Zach, That's about true. That? That's exactly what was happening. Exactly. Robert, thanks for coming. My in. pleasure. It's always God a bless. pleasure. David Lucas coming up. We're going to talk about money. That is what will decide this election. That's coming up next on the Dave Ellswick Show. today hope you heard during the uh, three o'clock hour jam morgan was on uh, matt hurt was on they were both in virginia for the big uh, second amendment uh, rally that was going on there Twenty thousand people Twenty thousand. wow Twenty thousand people uh they said that there may have been more they just were so far out you couldn't see them Wow. Said it was incredible. Absolutely. And no violence either. No. Story just came out. They said 20,000 people, no arrests. None. Zero. Nada. Zilch. I've been busy. I haven't had time, but I can bet you the uh, 
the media hyped it up like it was going to be a big deal, right? Oh, they did. Lots my gosh. You, oh, yeah. you can just, I mean, you can. Well, the governor it's did. It's typical. Typical. Yeah, we hear there's all these people going to show up and they're going to have guns and blood, mayhem, you know, yeah, all that. Yeah. It's, it's what they always do when they yeah. talk about when we're going to change anything about about laws that are so draconian about the Second Amendment that should not be here that uh, that somehow it's going to become like, uh, you know, gunfight at the OK Corral. And it never happens, David. It never happens. Zitch, it it does on the go. other side, though. It actually does happen. Oh, yeah. yeah. Look at these yeah. college campuses when you have a conservative speak. Oh, the rioting God. and the Al- violence. Antifas shows up. Yeah. And it gets crazy. Go figure. Dude, how are you doing, man? I hadn't Good. seen you in a few weeks. It's been you longer than that. Well, you hadn't even seen me since I've been dealing with this foot thing. Yeah, I, n- I noticed you limping in here. Yeah, I he saw me. He, says, he, he looked at me and he says, Festus. <laughs> and I said, hi, Mr. Dillon. <laughs> <laughs> I broke my fifth metatarsal about a year ago. It's no fun being no. in a boot. But yours looks worse. Uh, you, mine is a half shoe. Yeah. It keeps me from putting my foot down on the ball of my foot. That mm. is where the wound is at. Mm. And it's just about healed up now. He says, wow, how long has that been going on? Six months. <laughs> just a fluke thing? I mean, the, the, yeah, yeah. It, what happened... And I'm going to make this really short. September 1st, Labor Day, I'm laying on my deck. I'm getting a little bit of sun because I'm going to go to Florida in a couple of weeks, right? So I don't want to go down and get fried when I get to Florida. So I'm I'm getting my skin ready for it. And I got off of my uh, chair, and I went to uh, walk across deck. And I usually put shoes on. I forgot to do it. I got second-degree burns on the bottom of my feet. Because the deck was so hot. Wow. It was hot. Yeah. And then and from there, it, an yeah, infection yeah, occurred. Yeah, I got, infe- I got uh, MRSA, dude. Yeah, stuff wow. would kill you. Yeah. I had organ failure happening. They had to put me in the hospital for six days. I, you look like you lost a few pounds. A, a couple. Not yeah. much. Not much. I got down. I went from 185 to 180. Okay. Uh, five pounds. Well, glad you're here, Dave. Glad I'm glad here. I'm here, too, because if I wasn't here, you wouldn't be here with me. And I like when you come yeah, on. I appreciate it. Because you got you. important stuff to tell people. I got a little raise this year on my Social Security. I couldn't believe yeah, it. Yeah, a little cost of living adjustment. And of course, they up. raised my Medicare and they took it away from me. So one of the things, <laughs> one of the things I think would be good to talk about is this. Are you familiar with this new Secure Act, Dave? No. Okay, so the Secure Act just passed. It actually, Donald Trump, believe it or not, with all this partisan bickering, a December 16th, President Trump signed it into law, the SECURE Act, and that stands for setting up every community up for retirement enhancement. And this is really because that, that the politicians, so to speak, are concerned. You know, the average person age 65 and older has roughly 58000 saved on average. So this is a real problem. And so they've made several changes. And this, again, is the most significant legislation in over a decade. And one of the biggest things, Dave, is you're familiar with the required minimum distributions, right? Right. Okay, so it used to be 70 and a half. Now it's 72. They pushed the required minimum distribution back. Another big thing is uh, the there could be a huge impact for people listening is when you leave your IRAs, your 401ks, anything that is waiting to be taxed, and I want to talk about taxes in retirement, but anything that is waiting to be taxed, it will um, allow, used to they would allow, like if your 
kids inherit something, right, then they would allow them to take out the required minimum distributions over their uh, kid's lifetime. So if they're, let's say they're 45 and the parent passes away. Well, now they've if their life expectancy is 85, they've got 40 years to go that they could stretch those payments out. Remember, the requirement of distributions of the government's way of saying we're sick and tired of you not dropping dead. We want our fair share. Yeah, so they're forcing, that, right, they're forcing you to start taking out money, and they're very serious about you taxing you so much that they'll hit you with a 50% penalty of what you should have taken out but didn't. So the government, the well, IRS, David, very, they don't have enough serious. money. Yeah, that's that's an understatement. <laughs> That's an understatement, and I do want to talk about that, why taxes are such a big deal headed into retirement, and that yep. they can, they're going to hit a lot of people like a ton of bricks, and they're yep. not even going, to, even going to see it coming. But the SECURE Act, so now what they've done is they've forced, when an IRA is bequested to a loved one, they've got 10 years. Now, if it's a spouse, that's a different situation, but let's say the other spouse has passed, and you in this a retirement is account is left to your kids. The kids, right. Mm-hmm. Now, if that 40-year-old or 45-whatever is, they've got 10 years. So if there's a million dollars in a retirement account, they've got, they're forcing them to drain that puppy Within over 10 a 10-year period. $100,000 a year at mm-hmm. least. Roughly, and if it has any growth, it could be more than that. So that is a major change with the SECURE Act, and, and a lot of people aren't even aware of this change. But it's the most significant legislation, again, that is for retirees in 10 years. Another thing that they've allowed is they have allowed... Right now, if you look at your 401k statement, you, Dave, anyone listening, and you see your investment options, most likely what you're going to see is a target date mutual fund, and you'll know it's a target date mutual fund. It's like 2025, and the idea is the closer you get to your target date, the more conservative uh, it becomes, although I might point out in 2008, there were many people that were in these things in the top 25 target date mutual funds, and people's 401ks lost between 25 and 45%. I lost a lot of money up back in 08. Well, thankfully, you're still working and you're here yes, on the air. But the closer absolutely. and closer you get to retirement, the, the risk of, is very big of something called sequence of returns risk. Studies show that if you retire at the beginning of a bear market, you end up with two-thirds less money in retirement. So that that is very, very important. So back to what I was going to say is they have – because pensions are basically dead – other than if you've got ninety, it's just basically now, gone. Something seems a little reversed no, about this and wrong or, or twisted about this. Please don't get offended if you work for the government. But the facts are, ninety-five percent of public workers still have a pension, and only about five or six percent of us poor schlumps in the private sector have a pension. That's like the railroad; they're yeah. basically one of the few that still have a exactly. Pension. So what they they've what they're concerned about is people running out of money, and now what they're going to allow is more annuities and predictable, certain lifetime income options doesn't mean you're going to see it right away but you probably will see over time maybe more insurance based options integrate into your 401k okay so more people that are scared of wall street they might have some uh, pension like income that they can contribute over the years and at least have some kind of predictable guaranteed income at least backed by the claims paying ability of the insurance company yada, okay yada. so i want you to talk about something that we have talked about constantly and I think people maybe will understand better now if we talk about it today. And that is, if you got a four hundred one k, and you're not paying any interest or not paying any taxes for that money that's going in right now, when you retire, you're going to pay those taxes. I'll tell you, I know this for a fact. I I wanted to do some work on the house because I'm looking at getting the house 
up to 100% and selling it here in probably another two years. Because I'm going to be 70 pretty soon. I'm going to be 67 You're going to downsize? Yeah, I'm going to You're down. not leaving Arkansas. Right? No, okay, I'm good. staying here. I'm going to downsize. We love you, Dave. I'm, I'm going to downsize. But here, here's the key. All of that money you put in that you didn't pay any kind of taxes on. For instance, I went in and removed $5,000. Well, to figure out what I, to get my $5,000 that I needed, I had to add another 25% to that. Don't forget about 7% stayed on top of that, that, roughly. That was all taxes. Sure. So you just, I want you to think about something. Look at what you have saved and deduct about 32% from it. And that's, Dave, historically in a very low tax rate. But yeah. you're right. It, it doesn't matter. Any I call them tax postponement plans because, remember, these plans, whether an IRA, a 401K, a 457 if you're a government worker, or if you work for a nonprofit, a 403B, they all work the same. The government says, hey, we're going to give you a deduction today. And so if you start saving when you're 20 – all the way up to 59 and a half, we know that there's a 10% penalty mm-hmm. if you try to access That's your money. Right. And then on top of that, you're going to pay, remember, they postpone the tax and they postpone the tax calculation. So begs the question, where do we believe taxes are going in the future? Now, we already know that come January 2026, there's a sunset provision of the current Trump tax cuts and tax rates go up with, up up to what they were under Barack Hussein Obama, which, by the way, were historically still very low. If you look at marginal tax rates, we know that if you go back in the 40s, the top marginal rate hit 94% uh, in a famous politician or actor who later became a politician. He wrote about this in his biography, and he, he said, R, R. Yeah, Ronald Reagan, that's right. <laughs> so he would do two movies. He talks about this in his biography, and he'd go back to the ranch because literally the government took anything over 200000 which was roughly about $3 million in today's dollars. I was watching the movie All About Eve last night, mm-hmm. and there was a great scene in it where the guy's talking to this lady. She's talking to Eve. She's talking to Eve, and she says, well, why don't you go out and just make another movie? He says, why? And they're going to take 80% of what I make on it. I'm not going to do that. Absolutely. And I thought, what, what a great little scene because the people back then were getting obscenely taxed. Oh, yeah, 94% at one point. So the reality is, is how does this apply to anyone listening right now is because if you've saved $250,000, $500,000, a million dollars, I can tell you meeting with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people a year, the one thing that I see is people are not tax diversified. We hear diversification of stocks and bonds and all that, but people are not tax diversified. And this is going to hit a lot of people like a ton of bricks. They're not going to, they don't see it coming. Now, I know you talk about it here uh, day in and day out on the Dave Ellswick show but it is important that people understand as they shift into retirement mm-hmm. that they could get clobbered with taxes. But the good news is there's some proactive tax planning strategies, some simple proactive tax planning strategies. If they're implemented, you know, if you're two to five years away from retirement, that's really the time that you want to start looking at that. And I'm I'm not talking about just a few simple deductions that you get from your CPA. Hey, th- postpone a little more, put a little into an IRA or something. We're talking about tax planning, proactive tax planning strategies that could literally save people tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars. Let me give you one example. And then I I hope this number is the right number because the people, we've got a couple we can, uh, I think that's the number that you give out. I've I've heard it so many times. Uh, 
So, but literally what we, a good tax plan, we look at, okay, if tax rates are made permanent, right? If let's assume somebody's 60 and we assume they live to 90, if tax rates are made, if somehow Congress gets their act in order and cuts spending, because the reality is the Congressional Budget Office, Dave, said in their annual report to Congress just recently, they said, and I quote, the federal budget is frightening and unsustainable. That's the Congressional Budget Office. And what they're saying is if if spending goes unchecked, there needs to be a $7.8 trillion tax increase over the next decade or the equivalent in $7.8 trillion in spending cuts just to pay for Social Security, Medicare, and interest on the national debt. Yep. Now, the reality is is that here in just a few years, experts are predicting that our interest on our national debt, even in this low interest rate environment, will exceed our entire national defense budget. So you have to take all this into consideration and think, where do you think taxes are going? Most people, when they look at the facts... Listen to Democrats. Realize... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, really. Yeah. Up. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think Elizabeth Warren or, or Bernie Sanders. Oh, my God. The 1%. You know, yeah. he really. Yeah. I'm I, sorry. I digress. I but, the point, yeah, but the point being is at some point we know it's a mathematical certainty as the former Comptroller General of the United States is like the CPA. of He was under Bush and Clinton. He says it's a four-letter word. It's math. Tax rates have to double. Spending is absolutely out of control. Trump's done a lot of good things, but the reality is nobody wants to do the to, to tell the public we got to eat our spinach. We've got to massively cut spending. The problem is that the, even though the economy is doing well, the rate of spending is skyrocketing far past the the economic growth, which means you have a real problem, and nobody's talking about it. Yeah, nobody we're at wants twenty three trillion dollars. People give it lip service. People give it lip service at. at at election time but when it comes down to it nobody wants their benefits cut so the reality is it's most likely we're going to see taxes go up so now think back to you if you've got that half a million two hundred fifty thousand, whatever you've saved for retirement it's what you have a lien against that and it's waiting to be taxed like so we're you said you know proactive take a tax third away from it so one of the things that for just the first 10 callers today because we're very busy with doing these for people, but we will provide a free tax reduction analysis and we'll actually in it, people will learn exactly. We'll run the numbers and look and say, based on your life expectancy, what I was going to say, I don't know when we have to go to a break, but I, I often see if you, you, look, minute, okay, you look at a hypothetical uh, 4% return, if someone achieves in retirement, what we see if somebody with, let's say they have a million and a half dollars in a, a 401k, and then maybe a few, I'm thinking of one we just recently met with a few hundred thousand dollars in checking savings, something like that. What we see, Dave, in that 30 year period, getting back to that 60 year old making it to age 90 with proactive, if taxes stay the same with mm-hmm. proactive tax planning, without maybe they're projected uh, with the income they need, that person's projected net worth 780,000 with no other variable but tax planning it's almost, it's over 3 million dollars so we're not talking a, a, a little bit it's a lot of money the right tax planning can make an enormous difference totally transform the legacy that you leave to your children even if you don't spend it so it, it these are real numbers people can save a lot of money they just have to take advantage of, or they just have to understand what their options are 
So uh, the number they can call, 501-433-6690. It does have to be for the first 10 callers. And if it rolls over to voicemail, just leave a message. A team member will call you back no later than tomorrow. 501-433-6690. But taxes are one of the biggest issues facing people in retirement. And I can tell you this is not being discussed with a lot of people. They no. look at the, All they do is look at their returns. They're looking at now. They're not the, looking years down the road. That's right. And that's so what you kind of look and at. And we have a developer on staff, a software developer. So we actually, I could not find any software that did what we wanted. So we developed it. It took us about two years to, to develop this software that runs all these numbers uh, to give people a good idea, you know, based on this annual uh, roadmap that we put together. All right. We got to get a break in. What's that Sounds number? Good. 501-433-6690. All and right. they, we can just do it for the first 10 callers because it takes a little bit of time to put those together. So. Call now because 10 people don't take long to call. Not 525 here on a uh, Monday. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. David Lucas is with me. We'll be back in a moment. 1011.1, the answer, home of the Rush Limbaugh program. All right, back with you. Let, Dave let, Ellswick yeah, Show. Uh, uh-huh. We're going to give you another number here in just a couple Somebody of moments. Somebody tried calling probably. Yeah, yeah well, Somebody leave called, it to me. Couldn't get in. Gave we'll the wrong number. Get to, uh, get to, well. And I don't have my scripts in the studio with uh, me today. That's just the way it goes sometimes because I knew you were, you were going to be on. Sure, and, so and you would think called. I would remember the number. But we have different numbers. That's why, because we try to track when people sure. call from. So we, we have a dozen numbers don't out there. Different ones. Yeah. Don't have to say anything. Uh, Zach is getting a number for us. He'll bring Thanks, it over Zach. to us in just a moment. Great guy. 28 minutes after, we're going to get news coming up here in just a moment. And then uh, David's going to continue. But I just want you to know, you need to pay attention to what he's telling you. Because it ain't no joke. It is the truth. You look at what you basically have saved. And if it's in a 401k, deduct about 33% from it. Yeah, and it, it, think it, about that. It means about every three dollars you save. That's now, Dave. A dollar. That's, that's go, before yeah, taxes I know that, go up. But that's a yeah. dollar going away. Sure. Yeah. That's crazy. It, 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 it's a big, big deal. People again are focused on returns, and they're missing the boat in retirement. You know, the three most important words are income, income, income. And remember, it's not that's what why you. I'm still working. It's not what you <laughs> may. It's not what you've saved, but it's what you get to keep. Yeah. What actually hits your pocketbook. And, and a lot of people aren't even aware that up to 85% of their Social Security benefits are taxed as ordinary income. So that's a double whammy people don't see coming. And this is proactive tax planning. You know, we have a tax. We do tax preparation. The Tax yep. Plan Advantage website should be up soon, linked to our other. We have a tax practice with CPAs. We do tax preparation mainly because we want the left and the right hand to know what's going on. People our clients appreciate that because usually they run into the CPA and they're like, I, ah, you know, the, the the investment guy says, oh, go talk to the CPA. The CPA, they're not really getting anywhere. They don't feel like with their mm-hmm. tax planning. So that's why we felt it was important to uh, start a CPA firm and a tax preparation. But we got that number. Is he reading it to I'm you? Gonna, yeah, give it to us. It's 60 something. Here 50, it is. 501. It's 501 653 Sixty-six. So for the tax reduction okay. analysis, yeah. All right, back with you. The phone number to call, 501-653-6690. That's the number to call if you'd like to get one of these uh, free tax reduction times analysis. that you can sit down with David and uh, you'll go over this whole thing about what's your tax liability going to be down yeah, the road. Yeah, we project... 
Like I said, we have a right now. It's about thirty three percent. We have a developer on staff, so we we literally look at if taxes stay the same, and then we project out. Let's say in fifteen years, if tax rates double, which some experts are predicting. So we really a good tax plan. A stress test is several things. It's going to have a very reasonable, again, a hypothetical three or four percent. We're very conservative. We're not doing all these Monte Carlos like some advisors that say. You know, if you get 12%, if you get that, no, we just look at it. We're very conservative in our numbers. And then what we do is we say, if taxes say the same, let's assume Congress gets their act in order and actually cuts spending and gets everything under control if they stay the same, which is highly unlikely. And we also look at the worst case scenario of tax rates double. Usually, again, either way, we're seeing a significant, with no other variable but tax planning, a significant increase in net worth over time. Uh, and this software, yeah, we're excited about it. I've got a one company that's got one of the biggest, fastest growing uh, investment advisory firms in the country is looking at using it. We're beta testing it with some uh, beta testers out there. So, you know, I would say don't look at people in your, Dave, that do what you do in your industry. Don't look at them as competition. You just figure out how to solve their problems and get them to pay you for it. I'm just saying. <laughs> so, seriously, we, went, we, wait, we take these complex topics and we it, listen, it takes a lot of work. To take a subject like taxes, something complicated and confusing, and make it simple so people can understand, and that's what our software does. Uh, it is very easy to make things complicated and confusing. It takes a lot of hard work to make things simple and easy to understand. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, let me make And that's it what a, we've done. We've I worked tr- hard at it. That's what I try to do. When I'm talking on the air about your business and things, is try to make it simple. KISS is the way to always do it. Keep it simple, stupid. And so here's what I'll tell you. Just... At what the rate is right now, whatever you have sitting there looking at you, you're going to lose over a third of it. That's minimum, Dave. I know that's minimum, but I'm just saying. That's enough to rock a person's world. And I know people are tuning in all the time, and they may not have caught some of what we talked about. But the reason you hear me talking a lot about taxes, and the reason it's so important is because you have to consider the facts. The, the the reality is here in the near future, 92% of our federal budget, Dave, 92% will be consumed by Social Security in the not-too-distant future. Social Security, Medicare, and interest on the national debt. That leaves 8%. 8% for all the other government programs, including our national defense. And experts are predicting, I mentioned this earlier, that in the near not-too-distant future, just the interest on our national debt will exceed our entire national defense budget of this great country. And you tell me taxes aren't going to go up? You, it's what, the again, the Congressional Budget Office said in their annual report to Congress in the last year or so that the federal budget is frightening, that's their words, not mine, and unsustainable. So they're, they're ringing the alarm. People They've been are, seeing the unas, unsustainable for years. But it, it's getting worse. And you know, oh, yeah, I know that. You, you know you have a problem when the economy's growing, but the rate of spending is far in excess, exceeding it. It's a rapid pace, and it's projected to skyrocket precipitously over the next decade. So there's a real problem. And so anybody listening that has 250000 500000 a million dollars, whatever amount you've saved, remember it's waiting to be taxed by the government yeah you you haven't paid the taxes that's right you've taken a deduction you've gone into you've gone into all these years you've saved and sacrificed and you've gone into partnership uh, with uncle sam with the irs and they've promised you that you don't pay taxes on it today but but remember all these accounts i don't care if it's an ira a 401k a 457 if you work for government a 403b 
they all the taxes are it, these accounts are waiting to be taxed. So it's not a matter of if you owe taxes, but it's how much. And what most people do is they're willy nilly heading into retirement. They're setting down. They're looking at their statements. They're thinking, oh, I got ten percent last year. Oh, I got um, whatever amount that they earned. And that's another thing. People, I believe a lot of people have financial amnesia. It's been a, we're in the longest running bull market in the history of the United States now. And if you're listen, if you're five years away from retirement, it is a totally different ballgame. And you have to be very, very careful with the risk that you're taking this close to retirement. I won't tell you what I asked David during mm. the break, because I understand about getting more conservative in my investments. Absolutely. I've been well, trying to make up for 08, so I've been pretty wild and wild west out there. Well, you just have to be careful, and you have to understand. But but going back to tax stay focused, all no matter how much you've saved, you've had an IRA, 401k, any of these other accounts, people are not tax diversified. I see it meeting with hundreds of people a year. They have the majority of their money saved in tax postponement plans. The government's very good at marketing. They call them tax savings plans, but remember... You're postponing the tax, and you're postponing the calculation. Guess who gets to determine the calculation, Dave? The government. That's right. It's a lot like going into a banker, and you say, I'm going to borrow money. And you say, I need $100,000. And you, Dave, I'm the banker. You come to me. I said, Dave, we got plenty of money to lend. We went back to the vault. That's a whole other subject. But we went back to the vault, and we got lots of money to lend you, Dave. So no, no problems. We're going to just write you a check. Here you go. But There's, you're saying, see, you're doing it, David really happy up and it's kind of a i got a um I, let me offer you something yeah. you can't refuse okay i got a <laughs> i got a loan for you you can't refuse that's right now, so, that's so the here's the deal it. here's the deal dave there's only one little caveat with this loan we don't know what our expenses are at the bank so in the future we're going to come to you and we'll tell you how much interest we're going to charge there you, you just go. sign right here now my my question is would you cash that check I would think, I would hope people would not. Heck no. Why? I don't know what they're going to charge me in interest. It's a little bit like going into the partnership with the government. You've taken all the risk all these years. You've saved and sacrificed. And now it's time where they're going to force you, if you don't plan this out, no matter what, they're going to force you to take those requirement of distributions. That's right. They're going to tell you you have to take money out. The question is, do you want to be proactive or do you want to be reactive? And I can tell you the majority of people, this isn't even on the radar. And remember, it's not what you've saved, it's what you get to keep. The three most important words in retirement are income, income, income. After money, tax, money, money. after tax income. So you're not be, you're not beholden to pay one more dollar than you absolutely have to. The problem is most people are not doing proactive tax planning. Okay, now you'll the, do some tax planning. You you get for well, 10 people right now. Yeah. You got something set up for them. Well, there's a what we can do is, and you know, the office if they may, the team members may not be hanging around. But if you leave a message, uh, yes, we if you've got an IRA, a four hundred one k, if you've saved at least two hundred fifty thousand dollars, the reason we say that is if you've got twenty thirty thousand dollars, you probably don't have a big tax problem. If you've saved two hundred fifty, five hundred, or a million, you got you a do. tax problem that's waiting to be taxed. That's mm-hmm. the thing that's that, that hasn't been taxed that has not been taxed, then we do have a, a tax reduction analysis that our, our office can uh, perform. We'll just sit down. There's no nothing for sale. There's no gimmicks. It's simple. We'll take you through this process, and then you can decide if it's right for you uh, for the tax reduction analysis. But we'll give you a very good idea of what's, of what's possible. 
uh, and that number is the 501-653. Got the right number this right. time. 6690. And if Correct. you do get a voicemail, just leave a message. One of our team members, Scott or uh, Melissa or Clay or another one of the team members will call you back and they'll they'll get you on the calendar. We're booked at least a couple weeks out. Uh, so minimum, probably longer, but you at least want to get on the calendar. They'll start the process and tell you what we need to put together that free tax reduction analysis. The number to call, 501-653-6690. All right. We've got to get a break in. Final break of this hour. David Lu- been on Lucas. almost an hour, dude. No, I Has know, it? Lucas. Yeah, that's amazing. Hey, and we're, we're on, don't forget. 10 a.m. right here on the yes, station. Saturday and now mornings. right before Rush Limbaugh on Sundays, That's the best right. of Rush. Don't you love that? Yeah. All right. We're going to come back. And uh, I want David to tell you what it, are some of the special events that they have planned for you uh, with uh, David Lucas Financial. That's coming your way here in a moment on the Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, the answer home of the Rush Limbaugh program. All right, we continue here on the Dave Ellswick Show. I got Luke waiting to talk. We'll get to him in just a second. David wanted to cover a couple of things that are coming up very quickly. Yeah, we've got two. Uh, we've had over 600 people go through our Maximizing Social Security class at the wow. retirement at, at the Retirement Advantage University, February 18th and 20th. You can go on over to davidlucasfinancial.com. 20 bucks. We've got an updated curriculum. I've written this book. Totally updated for 2020. Those always sell out quick. We have a waiting list. And then we've also got some interesting stuff in March. Gold and silver event is wealth insurance. There's a lot of interest in that. And we talk about the difference between bullion and currency. Uh, it's always a good idea. Five to 10% of your assets held in a, that it's cyclical. So typically when real estate and stocks are down, gold and silver tends to do very well. So we, we call that wealth insurance. And one of the nationally renowned speakers, Ryan Long, will be uh, from National Gold Consultants will be speaking. Also, it's not on the website, but we will be also putting together a webinar on taxes. That's something new I'm going to try. We're going to start doing webinars. Uh, we've had people ask. We understand everybody doesn't want to travel with their busy schedules, so stay yeah. tuned for that. And then coming in April, by back by popular demand at the Breckenridge Village, we're going to do uh, that documentary. You remember we did it last year, the movie yes. event? So we're going to bring that back in April. We've had just such a great re- response uh, to that. So you can check that out, davidlucasfinancial.com, and then go register or call the office at the uh, the 501-653-6690. Yeah, if you want to attend one of those events, you can talk to anybody in the office. And, take care of it yeah. for you. All right. You want to talk to Luke? I'm happy to. Luke, how are you? How goes it, bud? Great, Dave. David, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Go. I, uh, my wife's expecting a fourth child, so we're about to sell our house and buy another house. And I'm projected to get about $50,000 in equity off the sale of my current home. Well, congratulations. And if my, on well, two fronts. Thank you. you got a kid, on on kid. the equity or the child? Yeah, both. On two fronts. That's what I was saying. <laughs> but... Um, so I, I'm going to try to just share some basic information and maybe you might need a, another piece of information. So I'll try to make this brief. Sure. So my wife and I started retirement funding late 36. Uh, we have maybe 25,000 invested and right now we're maxing out our IRAs, uh, as of the last year or so. And so we're, we're finally on a good track. We're, we're doing all the basics, I guess we should for retirement funding, but now I got to find a way to make up for retirement. So back to the house buying. I'm thinking about taking that, let's just say $55,000 equity, uh, if that's what we sell it for to get out of it, putting it towards 
mutual funds or some sort of retirement vehicle in addition to maxing out my IRAs, hoping that will help catch me up a little bit for retirement funding. Mm-hmm. Now, my, my plan would be is to take a second mortgage out to pay as a down payment on the new house. That way I wouldn't have to pay PMI. Now, all that said, why is taking the equity out of my house and putting it towards retirement funding, assuming I don't have to pay PMI on my new house, why is that a bad idea? I've talked to several people and a couple of people, kind of the Dave Ramsey camp, said no, put it towards the new house. Sure. Make sure you got plenty of six months savings set aside. But sure. Tell well, me your thoughts. Th- there's pros. And, there's pros and cons. You have to think when it comes to home equity management. Remember, the home will appreciate whether you have no matter what the amount of debt is attached to it or not. Does that make sense? So, in other words, oh yeah, yeah. Home equity. It, technically has no internal rate of return. The home will appreciate regardless of the debt. And I would and I would argue if the home burns down, I actually wrote about a chapter in a book I wrote back in 2013 about mortgage planning. I actually originated mortgages for years in mortgage planning. Uh, so I, there is no one size fits all. Uh, the, the whole idea is, of course, that if you can earn, if your after-tax cost is three percent and you can earn six percent over time then that's technically what is called arbitrage and you you should come out uh, ahead over time uh, with that mm-hmm. being said i'm not just going to blanket say yes you definitely need to leverage and uh, of course the mortgage insurance the other thing is mortgage it's been a little while since i've originated mortgages but uh, i don't think you know, as long as you have some money to put down maybe uh, you could do a second 10 i don't know that you're going to be able to do what would be known as an 80 20 maybe they're doing that again and the lending standards have probably become lax again 80 meaning the first mortgage and then 20% meaning the second yeah. mortgage to uh, to avoid that it used to be done all the time and people would put no money down of course we know what happened in 2008 the mortgage market meltdown uh, it, it, it is all about cash flow. So if your income covers the, and I would personally, I would always do a thirty-year mortgage. You mentioned Dave Ramsey. Uh, that that the the people say, oh, you should do a fifteen-year mortgage. I, remember, you're technically debt-free on a home when you have enough money that you could pay it off in full. In fact, there are more tax deductions in the first fifteen years of a thirty-year mortgage than an entire. Uh, 15-year mortgage, if that makes sense. So you could actually pay a 30 off in 15, not pay a lot extra interest, and significantly save on taxes by taking larger deductions. That is, as long as you're itemizing. But there is no one-size-fits-all answer. I, I I don't think if the Dave Ramsey types say it's oh, you should never do that again, that's such a definitive statement, right? Everybody's situation mm-hmm. is unique and different. So, but yes, I mean, in, in in theory, it's arbitrage, right? If you're paying two or three percent after tax, and you can earn more than that over time, then you came out ahead, definitely. Remember yeah. that this this concept of you finance everything in life you buy, you either pay interest or you give up the ability to pay uh, to earn interest. So that's why somebody like Dave Ramsey says pay cash for everything. Well, what happens if I pay ten thousand dollars? and I transfer that miracle of compounding interest to someone else, I'll never get it back. Does that make sense? Well, over yeah. 30 years, oh, that, no, that 10%, that's lost opportunity cost. If it could have earned 7% a year, well, it did cost me what interest I could have earned had I not given that away. So paying cash doesn't always make sense. And uh, as uh, Mr. Mm-hmm. Ramsey says, uh, you know, I'm just one opinion, but I can tell you the wealthy don't think that paying cash yeah. always makes sense. All right, so you said that well, you had a couple hopefully of that Hopefully that answers your question. It's just a mental snack to chew on. Yeah. Sure. Luke, I appreciate you, it. Thanks, guys. You, is that all you had, Dave? I think Luke? that's what, yeah. 
that, that that's all I had. I'm leaning more towards putting it towards retirement because I I don't have the value of uh, of uh, contributing you know so much more each month. But if I come to this one lump sum, I'd rather put it in there now. And over 30 years, it could blossom into 400. Well, well, think of it this think, think of it this way: is that you also uh, remember if there's no prepayment penalty of the mortgage, you can always pay. But again, Correct. I've seen too many people pay extra towards a mortgage, and all of a sudden they get in a tight spot, and they don't have liqui- enough liquidity, meaning access to cash. Now they're forced; they lost yeah. their job, they they lose their home, or that. That's another reason I wouldn't do a fifteen personally, right? It's all about you can always pay more at any time. Yeah, but you could you mm-hmm. want to be in control. Um, and again, if that house burns down, would you rather and you're paying it down? Would you only want to owe ten thousand on it, a two hundred thousand dollar house, or would you want to be leveraged to the hilt? Well, you probably, you know, the banker's going to be upset if you're leveraged to the hilt, right? And it burns to the ground. But sure. you, you get you understand what I'm talking about. No, so. yeah, no, it all that makes sense. So yes, sir. All right. I, I hope that helped you, Luke. Good, good, good call. Bye-bye appreciate right. you calling in. Yeah, Luke, we appreciate your call. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, 8230965. I would say we take more calls, but we can't right now because we're down to about two minutes left here in the show. We can always, I can always come back, Dave. Yeah, I will have you back. I always have <laughs> you back. Need to come back a little more frequently. Been busy, but when you get me back on the calendar, I'd love to. You know, we could just do an hour or so where people yeah. just questions because I know people have a lot of uh, questions about Social Security, taxes, things like that. Fine. I'm sure after Retirement. hearing this show and you've given them, I tried to make it as simple as possible. They could pay more, but you're going to pay at least 33%. Just yeah. say it. But taxes, the reality <laughs> is there's a freight train bearing down on the American investor in the form of higher taxes. And in retirement, the good news is you have more control over how much taxes you pay in retirement than any other time in your life if you're proactive. The problem is most people, it's not even on their radar. Listen to what Dave Ellswick says. The light at the end of the tunnel is not the end of the tunnel. It's the engine coming towards you. I like it. Well said, Dave. That's how it works. All right. Keep that in mind. Let's take uh, a, a final. Well, we don't need to get to a final break. I got a minute with you. I can spend and talk to you. So, how's, how's your family? They're good. They're good. Uh, my two of my kids are uh, over now. We're not homeschooling anymore. We were okay. for about ten years. Two of them are over in Little Rock at uh, Hannah, uh, which is a school for dyslexics, totally dis- okay. dedicated to dyslexia. So, oh, they're a very cool school. Oh yeah, yeah. They, that's that school is exploding. And talk about they have a waiting list. I mean, it is dedicated those people it was founded by uh, somebody that's dyslexic uh there's such a huge need for it great can't say enough good things about hannah school and my other son's over at uh north rock montessori uh, excuse me they the little rock montessori there okay and uh over near pulaski academy so i got he's ben's almost 13 and nine uh, audrey it's hard to believe zach already six i mean they're growing up fast how's your How's your wife handling this? She's it's transition, but it's a good thing. She she <laughs> like actually that. is going through LMT school. She's got her yoga certification. Wow. She's uh, looking into something called neurosomatic therapy. She's really got a God given gift to help heal people. You know their aches, pains, and restorative type stuff. Okay, so. Before I let you go, how's your sister? I don't have a, my sister in law, Carrie yeah, Lucas. Yeah, I'm she's sorry. great. Uh, Independent Women's Forum. She's doing wonderful. She just wrote another book. She's uh, blowing What's and the name going. of the new one? I, you know, I, it, the name <laughs> escapes me. If you give me like a second, if you number. hadn't asked me. All right. 501 653 6690 if they want to get a hold of us. Though. That's right. Call them today. Get yourself set up so that you know exactly what's going to, well, as close to exact yeah, as you we're can. We're going to give you an idea based on current tax laws. Yep. All right. 501-653-6690.
David Lucas has been a friend of mine for many, many years. He used mm-hmm. to be a member of my power panel. Yeah, for but, two years, I but think, he didn't on a Thursday. Have, he didn't have enough time to keep doing it. He had to go out and make money. Go make some more money. I'll talk to Appreciate you. Appreciate you, right sir. And help a lot of people. We will try to get that and help you, let you help people. Thank you, sir. We'll take a break. We'll talk to you again tomorrow, 2 o'clock. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.